Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 203 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it's me, Carrick, with ACG. Carrick, here we are. We are not live this time. It is just us in our little little circle jerk here on Discord. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we got to go ahead and turn to the Discord later today for some questions, but... Anyways, just you and I, so you are stuck with me. Uh, no extra input. Anyway, uh, we do hope you guys enjoy this fine episode on a Sunday, wherever you're listening. Thank you for choosing us as your podcast destination. Uh, as always, if you do want to support the show since we're recording this offline, you can... Flick a buck. Flick a buck. Fuck yeah, you can. So if you flick a buck on either Carrick or mine's Patreon, you... Not only help to keep the lights on, but in my case, and Carrick will get into his in a little bit, but you get Discord access, you get early podcast access, um, you also get exclusive Patreon videos. Um, I'm starting a thing now where I'm going to be doing, um, in certain longer form videos, I want to I want to do credits at the end to the an extent. Scroll. Yeah, just yeah. like top patrons of the $15 and up tier. I want to give a little more value there, um, so I want to pack that in there. Um, so yeah, we're, we're doing awesome things. Actually... Since I've joined Colin's Patreon, we've we've gone up about 15, which, you know, I have – usually I float around like uh, 140, 130. So to, to see it, it jump that much has been great. So I want to thank everyone who did decide to flick a buck over on my Patreon. But, Carrick, a little pitch on yours. What are you doing with your little business over there? You know what? We do pretty much the same stuff. I don't at this time do um, the uh... – private uh podcasts as of yet but we Mm -hmm. are putting together something to replace we do the patron podcasts actually so i guess we do those but um most of mine is the same kind of stuff some merchandise discord help with the channel if you want help like you do where we both offer assistance uh which strangely enough like you end up finding a lot of people who have the same mistakes you and i make so that's probably one of the major ones i do is just sit and help people all day in discord Mm -hmm. like what what webcam do i get yeah, what do I, dude, you know, what difficulty just, is here? I just leave my messages open and, and I tell them like, hey, it's not just these these consultations I give you. Like, I want it to be an open dialogue. So if you're like looking at a new camera, you have like an idea for yeah. a video, like you just want to shoot it my way. Like, it's not just limited to that. Um, yeah, man. And oh, yeah, we, we do game giveaways too, both of us. And, yep. and, and yep. From, you do yours way more frequently. Mine's like a once a month kind of thing. Um, I just I just select a random patron. And uh, I just leave it at that, and we do a game giveaway. But it also highlights how few people check their messages on Patreon because I've done Dude. I've done three game giveaways, and, and three people just didn't know. And I've like emailed them directly. I'm like, "You won a free game, hello!" And like, and and I would get no response. I'm like, "All right, it's on to the next one." Yeah, occasionally you might want to do what I did. I finally last two weeks ago, I I emailed everybody on Patreon and then messaged them separately mm-hmm. as well, and both were like. 
if you are not seeing these or if you just see them on Patreon, check to make sure Gmail isn't going to spam from me, right. you know, if you're getting multiple updates. Because it is just a generic, you know, I, it doesn't take much for Gmail to be like, you know, especially if somebody just is like, oh, this one doesn't interest me. It's just an update about a review. I already saw it. Right. And if they, if they delete it a couple times, it can go to spam. And there's been times where, yeah, trying to give something away to somebody or they have an issue on their account and they just never respond. <laughs> you, you'd never think giving away free stuff would be a problem, but it, uh, it has been. I'm talking it about you, been. big boss, by the way. You are one of the people I have emailed. <laughs> He's always in the Discord chatting it up. Check your email. <laughs> You want a free game. Check it, damn it. <laughs> anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to the show. Now that our intro is over, let's shift on over. Actually, well, hold on. Do you have any upcoming projects, Carrick? I'm sorry. No, that's all right. Uh, that's a good point. Um, I'm looking at Dark Future, Blood Red States, which is a what board game world? turned into a video game. Wow. It's Car Wars. So basically, uh, Wars. game. Yeah, Games Workshop, futuristic car wars. So you're driving a car around on a, uh, a road. You can pause the game, decide what attacks to do, where to move on the road. Okay. And it's like a Mad Max turn-based oh. road warrior game. You had me and in turn-based. Yeah, it's it's actually, and it's also real-time if you want. So you can switch at nice. any time between the two. Um, I'm covering that. Um, might do a walk in the walk for Plague Tale. Uh, it, I'm, That'd be I, interesting. I need to get, I'd want to see Yeah, that. I need to get a, a couple de developers and a answer a couple questions I have before I do. And then uh, review an observation, which is a PS4 mm, exclusive that comes yeah, out codes next... came out. Yeah. Yeah, it comes out next week, I think. I so, haven't looked. I, I got a code in my email. I'm going to have to look into it. I actually had not heard of this game. It just it dropped in my inbox. I was like, let's right. take a look. So once I got some free time later, I'll look at that. For me... It's looking like the slate is clean. Uh, I, I really don't have a ton of huge projects coming up just because it's, as you know, been review, 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 review these last yeah. like, three months. And so I was saying on my stream last night, I'm like, all right, it, it's nice to unplug. Uh, one thing I would appreciate yeah. for those listening right now, uh, if you guys wanted to check out anything, would be um, my tier list. I did an Ultimate Bethesda tier list. I saw that. Every right. single game they have released since 1995. It took a lot of time to make, a lot more time than I like to admit, because I, I, I don't go lazy, so I like I put gameplay in when I'm talking about certain games. I tried to like match it up, and I added music and, and, and a ton of edits to it. So um, it wasn't just like a simple tier list video, but um, I'd appreciate anyone going and checking that out. 40-plus minutes of quality content. Anyway, now with our intro officially done, let's move over to... Two games that we did review, Carrick, which are A Plague Tale and Rage 2. Now, uh, Rage 2, I feel like we're going to talk about the game and then get more into its reviews versus the original. But um, I guess let's start off with Plague Tale. I know you were you were pretty glowing about that game. I was glowing. I was glowing. You like sex you liked glow. <laughs> you enjoyed it quite a bit, yeah? Well, dude, like... I didn't even remember it, and then you've played you've played games with him, but Takedown in our mm -hmm. Discord, he was like, "Hey, are you going to review this?" And I was all, "Oh yeah, I should probably check it out." We like Focus, you know. I think they're pretty pro. They're awesome, you know. Pro getting reviews despite maybe it not being good, and they were sure. they were very cool to throw me uh, a bone. And um, I thought that the story, so many games that are like this, uh, Hellblade, which I really liked, some of those games, they, they truncate the story because they're shorter because it costs so much for voice acting, mm -hmm. which is, I think we all buy into. VR has a VR tax where it's like, oh, it's a shorter game, but it's VR, so we'll, you know, it's 20, 30, bu 30 bucks for only a couple minutes sometimes. Yeah. And so this one was like 11.5 hours for Reg. I beat it in th uh, about 13. I did walk around, do some testing on the graphics. Hmm. And for me... 
just as a world to explore and a time frame I've never explored in a game before. 17, no, what was it, 1398 or something, yeah. France. It was some yeah. it was like crazy people, year. Near the 1400s, Kingdom of France, yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, I really did absolutely love that. Again, mm-hmm. those are my style of games. So where it's not for everybody. Yeah. Like those just, they're not. Hellblade wasn't. Um, multiple games, Detroit Become Human is not. But for me, yeah, I, I fuck, I really liked it. I there was a lot of little elements in that game that are not in AAA titles that blew that, me yeah. away. There's even a moment I was telling this in my. It sounds like such a stupid thing, but when the kid comes down the steps or the ladder, sometimes she'll raise her hand up and follow his, follow him down because she mm-hmm. wants to hold his hand, and it sounds dumb, but it's like most games would just be like. You just wait. Yeah. And in this game, sometimes you're like tracking. It's just, it sounds so stupid, but there were little things that just aren't done. They're just not done in other games. Yeah. And yeah. Had a great time. Exactly. The game had a beating heart for sure. Like it, it, you could tell there was a focus, like a goal. There was really good management. I highlighted that mostly because the story is the, the, the highlight in this game, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. And, and so when I was making my review, I, I tried to go light on details other than like simple premise and tried to focus on the management for the story, the moment-to-moment, the seamless transition from cutscene to gameplay, all stuff that AAA games just fail to do. It's a it's a really well-put-together game, and I think that comes from partially the top. And the reason I say that is because we, we've seen games, I think Anthem being the, the pinnacle example, we've seen so many games this year just be mismanaged, That, that and, and yeah. when they finally come out, you're like, they did this at this point in the development, and then they went back and did this, and it just, like... It's such a fucking mess, and this game felt well thought out. Um, the really only big gripe I had that held me back from being like, this is a must-buy, was I thought the gameplay stumbled a little bit. I, I thought some of the level design was, was reminiscent of... Um, I don't actually think I used this this verbiage in uh, in the review, but it, it reminded me of like a PS3 and a 360 game, and usually I'm okay with that in AA games because it is a smaller budget, so those areas are more confined. But then they also give you uh, materials right when you enter areas, so you know there's going to be enemies there. Yeah. And then it kind of like yeah, very much. It's so. like a steady guiding hand that almost subconsciously tells you like this is what you need to do at this part. Like this time you're going to melt the helmet off and hit him with a rock. This time you're going to distract him with a pot and sneak by because we're going to put a pot here. Um, the game. I'd rather them just give us a ton of tools at the beginning and then let us go out into the level. That's what I would have preferred personally because sometimes the the immersion was broken because I'd see a bunch of sparkly objects lying around. I'd be like, okay, next room, more enemies. You know what, though? I played it with the HUD, the immersive HUD on. Oh, you did? Yeah, so I played, well, I played with both, but then I agree with you. I also you like 100- how they added that option, though. Yeah, but I agree with you 100% that it is it, it is there to tell the story and the gameplay elements other than a, hu- a couple huge levels where you, you like come into a cornfield and you're like, oh shit, I can go anywhere. Fucking awesome level. Yeah, which was an amazing level and such mm-hmm. a combo breaker because it was like, okay, I know what I need to do. I know what I need to do. Oh shit. Yeah, and it was like, <laughs> what the fuck's happening? Um, But I would agree 100%. Uh, I think if people are going to play it, it's just like we're going to talk about Rage 2. If you're going to play Rage 2, turn it on hard at minimum. Mm, Nightmarish, minimum. pretty difficult unless you've upgraded. But hard would be where you should start. And with this game immersive hud is where you should start and then if you find yourself confused turn off that and play because the sparkling stuff comes back 
Um, and then you can identify what usually will be around in what location. But yeah, it force feeds you. It doesn't force feed you. I don't know what the term would be, but it, it just, lays the stuff it, yeah, there. I was going to say, it, it, it's like I said, I think it's almost like a subconscious thing. Like they just laid out there and they're like, this is what you're probably going to need. And you just assume yeah. like, okay. And, and it kind of, I obviously have control of my experience. I could have made a, 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 what's it called? Like the... The thing that you could throw and, and bring the rats onto a person. Yeah, yeah right. I, I could have chosen to make Infernum that. Infernum or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking Ignifer about. Ignifer was the one where you set stuff on fire. I could have chosen to use those. But like when the developer clearly says, like, we're going to put this pot and this crafting material to make this helmet melting thing, you, you probably want to... They made the game. You probably want to take that route, right? Yeah, right. And, and, and there was, like, through QA, you know there's a reason they put that stuff there in that moment. So you kind of buy into that aspect a little bit more. At least I found myself doing so. But... It, it did not take away from what I thought was a really well-told story. A very charming game. Um, I, I loved the bosses in this game. I yeah, loved not, the bosses. I did not expect... and it, They weren't amazing gameplay, I would say, overall. But I was not expecting the first one you meet. Mm-hmm. And it just... Well, again, that's the pro- that's the thing the game does well. <laughs> you think it's all you think it's all about rats? You'll get to a place where there's no rats, and it's all about people. You think it's all linear? You're going to get to these big locations mm-hmm. and go. Uh, and I did not expect a boss. And since at that time you didn't have it, I didn't even have anybody to ask, like yeah. if there was any. So you're just playing, and all of a sudden you're like, wait, what's happening? Like everything switched. Little kids running around hiding, and you're like, whoa, fuck, this mm-hmm. has changed. Um, I would say those were very cool just as breakers, as as a, a different thing going on in the it's game. It's well-paced, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. The, the action ramps up. And at first, I, I found, like, the first couple of chapters, like, whoa, whoa, they're really hitting the ground running. And you start to catch on, like, oh, my God, we're sprinting away from everything. Makes sense. Like, they're not going to just turn yeah. around and get superpowers. But you, you, you notice a trend, and they, like, stop themselves. And what it did was highlight a game that was very self-aware. There were a lot of design choices very. That, that highlighted, like, for example, a lot of the game's creating light because you don't want to get destroyed by these rats. Uh, for those who don't know, the, the rats in this game, are they have, like, a it's almost like a duality. You're, you're able to use them as a really interesting weapon, but they're also the death of you if you get careless. Instantly. And, yeah, instantly. By the way, yeah, sorry. Like if you, yeah, absolutely, because if you stumble near them at all, they'll they'll track oh. into the light a little bit and be like, yeah, we're fucking coming for you, bitch. Like, yeah, it, and it's if pretty one wild. gets a hold of you, you have, like, a millisecond to mm-hmm. get back into the light before that it's game over. Yeah, and it, it instills, one of the things I said is it puts a lot of vulnerability in the gameplay. You're like, wow, I'm, I'm weak unless I get crafty here. Um, and it, it brings it back to my original point of... of how the game knows that, okay, light's going to be a major thing in our game. We need to create light in order to keep the rats away. How do we keep that changing? And, and the way they introduce like different methods of creating light, tension by creating light. Mm. For example, you grab a stick, you set it on fire. You're like, yes, I got light, but it lasts for 10 seconds tops. Yeah. yeah Torches are infrequent. Very rarely are they used after like the first chapter or two. Um what else is there? The igniffer, the light rays. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to create it, and you have to be paying attention to the level. So it's it's really awesome what they did um, because it shows that the developer tested it a lot, and it, it plays in a polished manner where you could tell it was tested quite a bit. I also think that it's probably one of the best. It, luckily, I, I had a, a good chance to, like, fuck around and even joke in my review, but uh, it's one of the first games where voice... So, like, most of the time, and this happened with Days Gone... There's the bad guy, the fucking bandana dude, and he's like, I don't like you. And then, like, 20 minutes later, he's like, okay, we're friends. And in this game, 
Hugo and uh, uh, Amicia, 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 yes, yeah, Amicia. Amicia. She, um, she starts out when she calls his name at the starting. She's very frustrated with him, so she's like Hugo when he when he runs off. And then, as the levels go on, if she calls for him, there's more of a tension of like Hugo. You know, there's like a where are you? Mm. And then by the end, it's like love, and it's like Hugo. You know, you could see you can see a tension change in the voice actress where they were like. Later on, sorry, my dogs no, agree. But later on, <laughs> the the her voice actually adjusts uh, right. to the situations at hand, where most games are not allowed the time to do that, and it feels like just like you said, they developed it that way, where maybe they said we need an eleven point five hour game, blah blah blah, and so the developers publisher didn't say cut it to ten. They were right. like, well, whatever you need to tell the story in the way you want, and then secondarily. When somebody gets chewed up by rats, it is quite literally at least the first couple times for me was haunting because there's one time where you you, you set up a guy and he's yelling at you. He's like, please, no. And you're fucking waving your torch. He's like, no, please. And the rats are coming near him. He doesn't have a torch. Oh, yeah. Fuck. And he's like crying out. He's like, please, God, no. God, no. I mean, and you're a little girl. What people don't understand is I think a lot of people took it as a, a story about a, a boy who loses their innocence or maybe a, a br- brother and sister. But what really happens through that game is that you do as the sister lose your innocence because you have to save the boy. And so there are times where you're like, fuck. She's like forced to mature. Yeah. And she's forced to mature and not in the most comfortable ways in at, at many times. So like her lies to him start out in one way and then they adjust because... You know, there's some things you can't lie to him about because he's figure he's he understands where what's happening, mm-hmm. and then you change that, and he acts a certain way at first, and then starts to become, like starts to adjust to those situations, and that's all played out through voice, and mm-hmm. it's and then they and then it's suddenly Goonies. I don't know what the fuck this game <laughs> is doing, but like I was playing it, and suddenly <clears throat> there's four people in my team, and I'm like, how what? Like, it started yeah. out with you and her, right? And you're all, okay, and then it's you and her and a kid. And then it's you and her and a kid and a girl. And you're all, what, there's, like, multiple people bouncing mm-hmm. off and each like, other. And it's skills? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it was like medieval goonies. I was just like, <laughs> this is crazy. I, it, I never expected this to occur in this game. Um, it's just, yeah, it highlighted voice to me when, mm-hmm. with their interplay uh, amongst each other. One thing I do want to touch on is I want to know if you thought the same thing I did, which is that this story was paced remarkably well and it was just long enough to, to tell its full story, not feel like it went on too long. But did you feel like once the final chapters picked up that the gameplay really hit its stride because you got all the tools, the levels started to open up, there were a lot of ways to play around, and it almost ended too short for the gameplay to, to hit that point where you're like, yes, this is it because i finally once i got my hands on all the tools i was in love with the gameplay i was like yes like everything i want is right here and it just ends too short in that regard but when it ended story-wise i was satisfied i was like perfect this is this is what should have happened you know what i'm saying i've never had that yeah i would say because remember i tweeted you i dm'd you and i said the last level overstays its welcome a bit Mm -hmm. and i was a little nervous you were going to take that as like the game overstays as welcome because I no I do not think the game overstays as welcome. I think some of the chapters are a little long and some are shorter, and so They're there was really an oddity short, there. Yeah. Um, but I would say yes, and the reason why I would agree with you is uh, the castle level. You go to infiltrate the castle, and I won't say anything about why, but you go to infiltrate this castle, and I gotta say, graphically, uh, stealth wise, the way uh, the atmosphere that out thief's thief. Like there were times sure. where I was like, dude, this is better than. I mean, this is like. Well, at least the four, 
which I was not a fan of. So mm-hmm. I'll just say yeah, it, I think it's certainly, yeah, it certainly out Thieves Thief 4. And I'm sitting there walking around like actually worried about where I'm going. And then, yeah, as you're getting, once you get your limited set of items, because it's not many, mm-hmm. but once you get your limited set of items and you understand what you can do with, like, the rats, what you can do with knocking people out versus, um, well, in particular, the thing where you can stun people if they attack you. Right. Because originally you're just, you're hammered. You're fucking, you're horse meat if an enemy gets to you. And then later on you get a dual-use item that is one use. So it's either use it on somebody when you're uh, when you're far away, mm-hmm. or sorry, when you sneak up behind them, mm-hmm. or when they attack you, but you're like, if two people attack you, you're fucked because you'll usually only have one yeah. of those. And, and it even warns you. I love how it warns you. It's like, listen, dude, don't fucking overuse or don't overcreate this one thing because the resources are very hard to come by. There's an actual warning that pops up. Yeah, because it like, like ties it ties crafting. It ties two you need things for together. Your, for your upgrades yeah. to the limited materials that can easily take out enemies it's interesting yeah and i, I haven't seen that done in a mm-hmm. lot of i haven't seen a game warn me that's for sure <clears throat> i don't remember the last game that was like listen don't go fucking you might fuck using up. this yeah don't go using this on everybody because it's very hard to create and mm-hmm. i was like oh shit and so then i found myself holding on to it which also changed the gameplay so yeah i would say honestly i feel like they have the chops now to sort of maybe i mean dude if there was a thief game in, uh, some improved movement a little bit uh oh, a couple yeah. improved items these are the guys actually i would much ha- rather work on it than edos i would kill to have them like look into a stealth game you a know, full stealth game i'm looking at the games this studio has made all right because i was curious i'm like you know what else have they worked on that we've played and obviously they they have games that they've assisted on we can see here the crew too is yeah on their they're definitely Quantum an Break. assist company yeah uh, we see Recore here. I think they're a part of Microsoft to some extent. But uh, what's interesting is Toy Story 3 is listed here. I love Toy Story 3. I think right? it's one of the best. Yep. One yep. Of the it best is a hidden gem. Hidden gem. Wally's here. Fuel, which I got to say, that was an underrated 360 A lot of people game. liked Fuel. Yeah. I very much enjoyed Fuel, and they are they worked on that. So they do have like a, and obviously they've assisted on a ton of games. A little bit of a DNA there. Yeah, there's a little bit of a, a DNA of a company who's seen a lot and has has worked on a lot. But I think a Plague Tale is like their, you know, original. Like this is yeah. our game, um, which is which is awesome. I'm glad that they got it right. It, it says uh, the studio has developed 17 games for both consoles and PC, including video game adaptations of the Pixar movies, Ratatouille, Wall-E, Up, and Toy Story 3. So yeah, they've. They fucking killed it on Toy Story 3. I've they never, did. Never seen I haven't Wally played the others. Or, yeah, Ratatouille. But anyway, it was just, I thought, a little interesting tidbit I wanted to add in there. So, yeah. But, yeah, Plank, they, Plank it's great. awesome, man. Yeah, there's, I, I can see why some people, you know, might not be their thing. And I agree with you 100% about the, um, and again, we'll talk about it with Rage, where there's a setting almost that, like, if you want to enjoy it to its utmost, you should probably do this setting, which is right. unfortunate. Uh, Sekiro had this, by the way. Uh, Sekiro has a control issue, where if you mm-hmm. if you play Sekiro with its original control scheme, it's much uh, more of an almost uncomfortable odd game than if you go in and switch just two buttons. Yeah. And I don't know how it happened, but this has happened more and more often, where a game you get into a game and you're like, there's something off, or there's something about, and then you go in and there's a setting for that one thing, and you're like, all right, and then you switch that setting, and suddenly 
it feels different. And so I can see people playing Plague Tale, the glittery stuff, seeing everything sort of there, being a little bit more directed than they would want. Yeah. So, yeah, I would warn people to not do that. Agreed. And so speaking of Rage 2, we'll, we'll hop into that. Let's let's talk about our general thoughts on the game, and then we'll, we'll get into um, the, the review comparisons, because I think that, that'll be interesting. But uh, overall, based off like my comment section, I was reading what was written about Rage 2, and a lot of people were really happy that I gave it a positive review, and you did too, because it seemed like we were one of the few who were like, fuck yeah, this game rocks. Um. I didn't have a chance to, to watch your review, but based off what people are saying in my comments, at least, that, that's yeah, kind of what I'm yeah. going off of. Um, so let's hear you first. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of Rage 2? I pretty much agree with yours. Um, I think the car combat's a little wanting, which is uncomfortable when Avalanche okay. is the car combat people. And I would have liked to have seen a little bit better combat, a little bit more enjoyable. Um, like a but Mad overall, Max almost, or... Yeah, yeah, Mad Max is car combat. Even if you didn't like Mad Max, most people still like the car combat in Mad Max. Like, <clears> And that did not translate perfectly over to Rage 2 for reasons... There's multiple reasons, including, I think, the generic gun you have in Rage 2 on the, on the car isn't really as impactful. It just sort of shoots some light at people, and then some parts come off, and it... But you're like, this is an autocannon. It should be... You know, there should be mm-hmm. shit flying everywhere. There's a couple things there. But, um... No, Rage 2, I would say technically, I I definitely have some issues with Rage 2. I think technically it's not where I would have hoped. But um, overall, they did what uh, Far Cry did not do. Far Cry New Dawn, which is where they took the aesthetic and they mix it into everything. So when you do Overdrive, it's purple and red and there's all these colors. Everything about the game is color-based, which if you're colorblind, probably sucks. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that that somebody brought that up today. They were like that this is one problem I'm having. I was like, "Oh fuck, you're right." Mm. Um but dude, slickest slickest movement and combat, especially on harder nightmarish uh since Doom. And down. and when you can upgrade, I was telling people, you don't understand, in my review, I said you have skills for your skills for your skills. You quite literally have a skill that you can upgrade that has a skill point that you can buy that allows for you to do another skill at the end mm-hmm. of that skill. A little you buy, confusing you at first, but it's... Well, yeah, for sure, because they're everything on the left, yeah. you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Charisma, or not charisma, constitution. Yeah. All these, there's all these things you can upgrade. Uh, guns, you upgrade the gun, but then you also can put a perk on each gun. Yeah. And you're just like... And then you can get a perk in a project that lets you reroute guns. It's like, oh, so I can change yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're just like, what the fuck? But um, overall, I would say it, it's not the greatest game in the world at all. I would mm-hmm. say it's good. It's okay. good. It's good. And I liked what I got to experience. I also did something most others didn't. <laughs> I played a bit of the open world, then I beat it, and then I continued playing. And I personally feel this is exactly what happened with Resident Evil 2 in the remake. You have the decision to make at the starting of the game. Claire Leon. My personal belief is if you play it out of order, it can feel weird. And multiple people I've talked to have said that's exactly how they felt when they right. played different, the stories out of order. With Rage 2, if you play a bunch of the open world with Rage 2, narratively, you're going to be like, how am I, I stole somebody's pants. Why am I a ranger? Why does anybody even think I'm a ranger? I stole somebody's, I literally stole somebody's pants off their dead body, and people are acting like this, like I'm a legend. But when mm-hmm. you beat it, you are a legend. You've done legendary stuff. And then the narrative in the world actually makes far more sense. And so 
I got lucky and did that. I know a lot of people don't like the story. I didn't like it. I didn't love it at all. Yeah, I thought it was I sort of... I, the story was just like, what the fuck? But the gameplay and the moment-to-moment killing is phenomenal. And that's despite the AI not being the best. Okay. Because the AI is certainly not the best. I thought the AI but did some cool stuff. Like, one of the guys with the swords It does cool stuff, can, but like, it's not smart. Deflect. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Just For me, like, last night especially... I, I was playing it on stream, and the, and the AI was giving me a, a tougher time, and, and they were doing some shit that I'd never seen before. Um, mm-hmm. I saw a video of one of the AI actually come back around the corner, catch a grenade, and throw it back at you and run away, which I thought was neat. Uh, when I was fighting the sword guys, um, the, the shrouded who used swords, rather. Yeah. Yeah, they cool. like deflect them at me, and I'd, I'd be mm-hmm. like, "Oh fuck, I gotta, I gotta do something here. You, I yep. can't touch him." And so I just like dash into him and kick him to stun him, and then I'd be like, "Yep." Or like this. fucking palm, palm. What oh, is? Yeah. What's the one? The shatter. Uh, yeah. Shatter. Yeah. Yeah, man. It, uh, for me, I, I sit on the fence of um, probably a more aggressively positive opinion, and it's not intentional. I just think the game is so fun, though. Um, and some people yeah, were like. Why do you... Because I'm not huge on Doom, and I've shared that so many times. Like, I think Doom is a fantastic game, but I don't think it's, like, one of the best games ever made. And people will go, why? If you, Especially if you think Rage 2 is so good, Doom should be even more up your alley. And my perspective is that while some love the adrenaline field adventure of Doom and, and, and how there was zero downtime, as an open-world player, I fucking love my downtime. To, to go in my menus, yeah. to, to upgrade shit, to sell my junk, to, to go through schematics to read lore and drive taking the world i love that moment to moment stuff and, yep. and that's where i feel at my best whereas uh, i love sometimes in games like we just talked for what 15 minutes about how great a plague tale is which was very much like level to level uh concise level to level it, it was it was very much designed in that way it's not open world and, and i like those games a lot but but i think rage 2 encapsulates that excellent gameplay from doom and puts it in a setting that i cared more about and was more interested in and paced it in a way I prefer. And so yeah. I think it's far more fun. I get what you're saying about the car combat. I just thought it was in- interesting that when you're playing the shooter, and a lot of people were, were commenting on stream, they're like, this looks so much fun, but how do you tell what's going on? It's so hectic. And I tell them there's a reason when I'm streaming that I don't talk during the gameplay. Uh, you, you yeah, there's a thousand things to yeah, balance I was like, game. I was like, you got to focus. I was like, it's frantic. And I noticed when I was doing a convoy, it was the same thing. I got quiet. I was like, I got to yeah. focus. And yeah. it, exact, exactly. I was like, that carryover between two systems that are totally different. Um, well, I get why you're not huge on it. I thought it was uh, I should actually correct myself. What? I, I actually do state, even in the review and in the podcast, the convoys are a completely different thing for me. Mm. Okay. The convoys, I would agree 100% with you. I should have made that clear. No, I think the convoys are the best part of the driving. Yeah. But by, there's no, not even a shadow of the doubt. I love how they keep respawning. I was like, thank God, this is the one thing that I don't want to end. They go nuts when you get near. They like, all of a sudden you see their energy net thing come up and you're just like, whoa, they know I'm here. Where, what I, uh, what I should have said is, I mean like the dude's just on the road, not doing anything, or you drive by a car, he doesn't attack you. There's a lot of times where I'm like, are people scared of me? I feel like um, they took note of Far Cry. Where, where I the, agree with that. Where the world just doesn't yeah. harass you. And I was yeah, so yeah, happy. Yeah, where you get in a car and everybody knows exactly where you I, are. I was so fucking happy that every car I drove by did not open fire on me unless yeah. I did. No, I, if can, I stumbled I upon a convoy. And I mentioned that in my review. I said it's not like Far Cry where you're getting harassed along the map. Because that, that would have fucking damaged the moment to moment, in my opinion. But the, yeah. the convoys, when you have to like charge up the... Because uh, you can dash in your car to kind of avoid attacks... 
and then you can hold that same dash button. Yeah, and uh, do the energy. Yeah, and do an energy blast to expose weak parts of the enemy cars. And so then you have to, like, angle yourself and start shooting at their weak parts to take them down. Uh, or you can just straight up unload on them, but obviously it's a waste of ammo because you're not going to do as much damage. Uh, and, and eventually you kind of crawl your way up to this big monstrosity of a vehicle at the end of the convoy. And it's like a whole mini boss of its own. I just thought mixing all that together is tough. Like I said, making a great shooter, granted they probably had the framework from Doom, but making a great shooter with excellent level design that was akin to Doom in an open world setting, I thought that's so hard to do. Like the way that objects were placed and and thoughtfully crafted where there was always cover in one spot or a place to jump up so you could slam down if you get the upgrade for the singularity pole, then you you bring in like five enemies and, and bounce on them. Uh the way that they accounted for everything in these in this big world, like it was all just separate arenas crafted, I thought was a, a marvelous achievement. So I was really big on it where um, it, it reminded me of like a PS2 game. I was like, this is just fucking fun, man. Like this is such right. a fun ass game. Um, and I said it, I say it all the time. Like when I'm streaming it, I'm just like, Maddie, how do you think of, what do you think of the game? I'm like, it's fun, dude. It's so fun. Um, I agree with you though. Story, not good. But I also, I have a point I really that, care, that I, yeah, it's not I, very good. exactly, I'd want to talk about with you and get your perspective on, because some people agree with what I'm saying, and we're like, yes, like, review the game for what it's about, which is pretty much what I, I stand by. But there was a contingent of folks who were saying that when I said in my review, the game drops you in the open world in 20 minutes. It, it, yeah. Almost immediately, like, they tell you, this story does not fucking matter. And the argument could be made, don't even do a story. But... Clearly, their focus was get them in the world, get them playing. That's why I reviewed it based off. I was like, the world, the gameplay. I was like, if you're playing for the story, it's not why you're fucking here. What What do you think about that approach? Oh, no, that's the approach. Well, you mean to reviewing? Not to reviewing. I shouldn't say that. Like, I'm validating a review process. I'm saying, well, rather... I'll change the question. What was your approach when you... Did you consider the story as heavily in this game? Because I didn't at all. And some people were like, you should, because a bad story is a bad story. And I'm like, you don't play Rage 2 for this story at all. Like, I think the gameplay systems are clearly the design focus. Kind of like how A Plague Tale, its focus was the story and the characters, and they built them so well, and that's why I was I was like, that was the focus of the developers. That's clearly what they wanted to do well here. And they did it well, so that should be celebrating why I pretty much recommended the game if you had means. Because it's a little shorter, so I wasn't like instant buy. Um, and in the case of um, Rage 2, I was like, gameplay systems, clearly the focus. Thought it was done excellently. I was like, must buy. Well, I think I think it's a little disingenuous to... I, I think when people are dissing on the story, it's a little disingenuous to pretend that no gameplay occurs in the story. True. Which it does. So when somebody says it's a bad story... The cutscenes might be bad. The story might, the the plot might not grab you, but that doesn't even mean it's a bad story. I've had games that are considered masterpieces where the story doesn't grab me. Is it bad? I don't know. You know, it didn't grab me, and I can explain why. But I'll say I rated the game a buy because of the fun factor. Like I just said, this is it has its issues, but it's fun enough that I have no problem paying what I paid for it. Like none. Because I buy it, you know, even they gave me the code and I was just, I'll just go pre-order it. I don't feel like I lost any money. Um, so, no, I would say you and I agree. I would say I was I was getting to the point to where I was going to say, I think it's, I also think it's disingenuous to pretend that every game has to be identical. And so it's like, if it does have a bad story, okay, what elevates past the bad story? The gameplay. Right. The and that's, that's the approach I had. 
Yeah, so I I do break it down where you don't, you know, you don't break it like I do with a category where I'm fun factor, you know. But the reason why I do is because I like to explain that very clearly. That <laughs> if, if it has technical issues or it has this or it has a bad story, fun factor. And then I try to describe the, the juice. Like, what is it that... Well, yeah, you, know, you said me... actually a couple of weeks ago how that's like your most important thing. Like, the fun factor. Is a game fun? Yeah, is a game fun? Because to me, it is a game. And I even described in Plague Tale, I said, listen, this is not the type of fun most people will get from a game. To me, it was a satisfaction. It is a different type of fun. But for Rage, no, I agree. I, I think that when it comes down to it, I get where somebody's coming from. Bad story yeah, is bad same. story. Sure. But bad story is bad story. Is it still fun? Oh, yeah, it's a fucking blast. And then also during those story moments, and everybody will always pretend this doesn't occur, and I don't know why, and it's a little creepy at times, but people will pretend that during the story that they may not love, there are action moments that they do. And you'll be like, well, so I get that, but you can't just negate the fun factor that's in the story when you're playing those elements or those missions that are in the story. So you're saying, and, like, for example, the story introduces you to the Mutant Bash TV section? Exactly. Like, okay. Or, it, or, it, or, it, or to an awesome level or to a great boss battle, even though I wasn't in love with these boss battles, I would say still that's how the that's how it works. But you'll you'll get a lot of people saying, oh the story, blah blah blah, and they pretend as if the story is a sectioned off series of cutscenes where there's no gameplay in between. You're like, dude, you can't do it's that. Like that, that um, would you probably section it into narrative versus Yeah, that's exactly story. right. If you wanted to break off because I break off gameplay, if I and I say a little bit about the story, if I wanted to break off story by itself, I would certainly ding on it for things. But I would I definitely would be saying in the review, I'd be like between those cutscenes that aren't the greatest is still new levels that I really like, right? Mm -hmm. Or a new military complex I love, or a new enemy introduced. So uh, it, it's sort of weird for me. I get where somebody's coming from. I, yeah, I, did, I absolutely do. I just wanted to get your thoughts on. Yeah, that no, I, I think we agree. I, mm -hmm. I think another thing is when somebody tries to compare it to every game past, and I'm like, first of all, not every person has played a game. I said this this morning on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Not everybody's played Final Fantasy VII and thinks it's better than sex. <laughs> Sorry. So when I review a game and say this RPG is good, I'll have somebody say, why don't I just play Final Fantasy VII? I'll like, why are you not fucking 85 years old? There's people who just got into gaming yesterday and they've never played Final Fantasy mm -hmm. VII. They want to know if today's game is good. So when you're looking at Rage, you're usually identifying it as today's game. And then you'll draw comparisons because that helps people. Comparisons help people. Yeah. But you get too comparison heavy. And then it can be a little, it, yeah. it can be a little odd because then you're saying you need to have played all these other ten games to, uh, to exactly. like review yeah. or talk about this one, and that's not realistic. Yeah, at I all. I think the, you know when I look at it, I think the only comparisons I, I personally drew to was I mentioned the map kind of remind me of a, a Bethesda Game Studios game how there were just always icons with question marks and you're like, Ooh, what's map that? mess? Yeah, is what I call it. Yeah, good exactly. or bad. But it's there, yeah. It could be, depending on your preference. I thought it was, like, a good mess. I was like, oh, my God, icons. I need to explore. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. yeah! I just need to fucking charge into this world and uh, and find everything out. But I thought what you said earlier about, about comparing previous games, I, I had mentioned I don't think you got to play Rage 1, but if you did, it really elevates your experience in a way because I thought some of the way they built uh, ways they built off the lore in Rage 1 was really neat. And so speaking of Rage 1, uh, a conversation started to bubble up a little bit it's not like it's taking over the industry it's not like it's marring rage 2 by any means but it's still one i wanted to focus on is that rage 2 uh currently on metacritic we're going to go from pc to ps4 to xbox one uh ranks 73 percent, 68 and 72 
Meanwhile, Rage 1 on PC is at 79. Rage on the uh, Xbox 360 is at 81. And at uh, the PS3, it's at 81 as well. Um, and those are between 32, 77, and 37 votes. Meanwhile, Rage 2's Metacritic is 40, 17, and 9. So a little bit less votes on the end of Rage 2. A lot of the majority of the votes, those 40, come from PC. But it still doesn't change the fact that most folks are saying via Metacritic, which I, I don't, I don't take. If I like, I'm a reviewer, so I guess I approach things differently. But if I were just a flat out consumer, Metacritic would not be the way I, I personally describe or decide how I'm going to buy a game. And I made a whole video for those who are wondering why I think today's modern system of points, percentages, review scores is fucking awful. It's just like a pros and cons list is is what we need nowadays. Just simple data. To tell people what to buy. But anyway, I do want to discuss the consensus of Rage 2 being worse than Rage 1 in some extent for folks. I guess we'll keep it simple right now. Why? Why Why do you think this might be the case for some folks? Because one of the things I saw was someone say, well, we looked at games, well, we look for more from games nowadays versus back then. And I'm like, are we going to suddenly act now like Rage 1 was this fucking stellar title dropping in 2010 that no one was talking about? I enjoyed it a lot. I know it's a hidden gem, but I also know that the game didn't really set an identity for itself whatsoever. I mean, I <laughs> when I look at Rage 1, I see a couple things. The first being the fact that they were just unleashing a thing called Mega Textures, which was a technical, at the time, supposed to be a technical marvel, which was mm -hmm. from id, from John Carmack himself. So there was a lot of technical discussion about Rage 1. Mm -hmm. um, there was also the first time Rage 1 had unleashed uh, not necessarily AI, but computer animation movement for enemies. So you'd fired an enemy and he'd leap up onto the wall, stuff we had never seen from other AI. Yeah. Now, that was fooling people because it wasn't necessarily doing anything unique, but they, they had designed it to make it appear more, di more difficult to hit. And I even had that. I remember in Rage 1 shooting a guy and he'd leap away and I'd be like, wait, what mm -hmm. the fuck? You know, like roll on the ground. Yeah. Very cool. I also do agree, though, that at the time we were rating it also <laughs> at the time it was available on the 360. At the mm -hmm. time it was available on these. And you look at the tech and you look at what people were looking for. You and I are probably just a little bit different than other reviewers. Uh, mm -hmm. Some, but I saw a lot of people review it way higher than me. Like US Gamer loved it. Uh, Dreamcast Guy loved it. There were other people that loved it. Loved it, loved it. You probably maybe even like it a little bit more than me. But when it comes down to it. Rage 2 you're talking about? Rage 2. Yeah, I, when I it was come, like, must buy, yeah. Yeah, when, when you look at it, to me at least, I personally, I see that, yes, for sure, that we were playing games at that time. People were burned out. There were some games that, you know, come and they surprise you. Mm -hmm. There's also, like I said, the technical elements of Rage 1 that I think for people, because I remember being mired in the discussion of Rage 1's tech, because it was a big deal. It was not a small deal. People thought Mega Textures was going to be the big thing. And if you don't know what those are, just go on Google. And you can see thousands of discuss. I mean, it was a big deal. And this was Rage 1 was the first one where mm -hmm. he was pushing this tech. Right. So I think that also played into it. Also, it's a linear title. It has some open world moments. But I think it's a little easier to structure an open world, or uh, sorry, a linear shooter than it is an open world shooter. Mm -hmm. I do think we do compare it to what we have today. I think that that's fair. But I think when it comes down to it, it all has to do with history, too. It all has to do with what you care about. So I don't care that re <coughs> that a reviewer rates it lower, and I don't yeah, care that a reviewer do I. I just, rates it higher. I think it's interesting, you know, it when, is. when I think it, 
Rage 2 really carries things forward a lot more, especially nowadays. I thought, but I think we people have seen a Mad Max, Maddie. They've mm-hmm. seen a Mad Max, and sure whether that. you, I know you weren't a big fan, but a lot of people consider that a hidden gem, for example. And yeah, a lot um, of people. Yeah, so you, uh, we have all these games, right? And the tech, dude, the, the it just wasn't possible to do what we're trying to do now mm-hmm. back then. And so games were structured a different way. People look at them a different way. Um, I don't know. To me, I don't really even notice that kind of stuff usually because there's always somebody above me and always somebody below me. Mm-hmm. I can say I can say Obsidian Protocol is a four or whatever, even though I think it's higher than that. And somebody will still say it's a one. So it's, I just am like, all right, whatever. And I just, I, I sort of move on. I think Metacritic oh, dude, doesn't I, work well. <laughs> I'm getting a um, ton of for, that with my, my Bethesda tier list. Like, people were just like, you should have put a Rage in the A and Doom in the S. Yeah, Wolfenstein Youngblood, is, or old, the Old Blood is not a uh, a little just tacked on entry in the series. It's more than that. Here's why. Like, just people, That's because a yeah. lot of them lack the context of what your experiences are. Yeah, and that's where sense. the problems come from. Is they lack the experience of your context. What did you play it on? Did you play the original? I'm not, I'm saying any game. Mm. If you played one game on a console, the other person played it on a PC. Maybe you just didn't have a PC at the time, so you weren't incredibly in love with whatever game we're talking about. Now you're on mm. PC. You have better control, let's say. So now you're higher on PC. But the problem is, is people because they want to put confidence in their own purchases, they have a very difficult time understanding the context of somebody else's experience. It's right. very difficult for somebody to put themselves, they say, you see it all the time, put yourself in somebody else's shoes. That only works until the person becomes inflexible doing it. And that happens fast. Yeah. And it happens whenever disagreements occur. And Why so to me, pushed? your list is your list. It makes sense in the context of the experiences you had, which are objective, but also, depending on what we're talking about, fun factor, for example, subjective. And... I, I don't know. It just, I never get caught up in this mm-hmm. stuff. I think that Metacritic is dangerous for a couple reasons. Um, most likely because some of the games that get horrible scores, I'm like, hmm. But I use the entire score range, too. I don't touch, which means literally $0. Yeah. And then I have, like, you know, wait for a sale and then wait for a, or, or, or wait for a deep, deep sale and wait for a sale, which are bigger categories. Because we're talking about money. When you go 1 to 10, also, I'm going to be honest, I think people are just using the score better now. Uh, that's the honest truth. I think people are starting to use the entire score range. because, And that's why the scores are getting a little lower. And I, I celebrate that. I celebrate that people understand that yeah, the there number a, 2 fucking exists. I was going to say, there, people, there was a stretch of time. I think it was around, I want to say 2015 or 16. Whenever Phantom Pain came out, it like hit me. I was like, every game's getting a ten lately. A ten, yeah. exactly, dude. IGN gave PUBG a ten, <laughs> right? So to me, to me, ex- exploring oh, the more, yeah, fuck. and exploring the more flexible. Also, I would say this: oh. most of my most of my favorite games. If you looked at Metacritic, most of the games I think are amazing, and I would consider that most of us all talk about as a hidden gem or a gem are in the 80 to 60 range. And I actually believe there's nothing wrong if those had been down to the 50 or even 40 range to 80, because that yeah, doesn't mean it, it doesn't mean anything other than my dog that is, score is, is being used right now. It's just like yeah. one, one to 10 needs to be used far more than it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Here's a fucking great example. Uh, Death row on the original Xbox 
sits at a 79, and I think that's one of the most fun fucking games ever. Yeah. Uh, just that's that game I told you about. That's like a, a fighter. Yeah, with the rappers. A, yeah, no, 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 no. That's uh, that... that's Def Jam. Oh no, you're right, you're right. I, I did this last time we talked. Yeah, until <laughs> you sent me the link. Yeah, it, you're it's right. described as a brutal fighting sport where only the toughest and fastest players are victorious. Death Row combines the fast gameplay of third-person action games, the intensity of fighting games, and the co- cooperative team play and gritty roughness of rugby. But you throw like a, uh, it's like a futuristic game. So you throw like a disc into a tiny little fucking portal, and you get points for it. One of the most fun, unique creations, and it would thrive if this game came back. It would be so here's, popular. Here's another thing that I think really it makes people uncomfortable, so they don't want to talk about it. Um, there's a subjectiveness to the fun factor that you disguise the funnest game. You know, you've had a, you had a blast playing it. It's easier to describe things technically because it's more comfortable because you have a, a line. You can say this resolution is 720p back in the 360 days. Let's say this resolution right. is 720p, so it sucks. So the game just sucks. Um, what I find really weird, though, is you do also get the people, or not weird, but something that should be taken in consideration. For example, is a very good example, Days Gone. Days Gone just released patch 1.8 today. And they themselves list all the problems. And at the very end say, we have decided to stop doing smaller patches so that we can concentrate on performance. That is from the developer themselves, and I will still have people telling me that they've never, ever had a performance issue in that game. Mm-hmm. So, you have one of two ways. One, they don't notice it. Or two, they do, and there's another reason why they're saying that. There's really only those two, and I think that that's an objective thing that bothers some people. So the subjective stuff starts to come up. Things start getting weird. Reviews start going weird. I mean, I've seen people not even talk about fun factor in a game. They just talk about, like, the stats. Look at IGN. It was one of my old complaints about IGN. They'd have a two-minute review on Witcher 3 or something. And you'd be like, how the fuck? Yeah, that's impressive almost. <laughs> and it's just, te- yeah, in a way, I'm, yes, in a way I should be like, congratulations on 1.2 million views for not, and, and it wasn't that one. There was another one that they did two minutes and 14 seconds. No lie for a review. I, I that's actually I, I where think, my tagline comes from. I want to say it was an Assassin's Creed game it was something crazy it was crazy enough that that's where my tagline comes from where i was like enough enough is enough um but i think these scores and stuff like that this is it's why i use open critic because open critic tracks youtubers um versus metacritic which doesn't open critic usually uh because it tracks those it also tracks by which is not a score from me so they track it so you can still see the verbiage so instead of Metacritic, which is just numbers, and IGN is weighted, by the way. So if IGN rates it lower or higher, it'll go up more or less on Meta, where on Open Critic, it's all one for one. Um, As it should but be. I think That's the, crazy. Yeah, I think, I think those are a little dangerous. Not dangerous. I think they should be used as information tools, but not the sole ones. Yeah, I mean, I get why people, for example, I want to make this clear, and I should have made it clear initially, I get why someone wouldn't like Rage too. So do I. Its world may not call out to them, they might just go, ew, first person shooter, whatever, oh, it's too frantic, I feel like an idiot, like, uh, story sucks, you know, I, I could see why. Uh, uninspired world, car combat doesn't suit me. There's a list of reasons I get why, and I don't want to take away from anyone who doesn't like it, I guess more so. It reminds, sometimes we'll see a game come out like Rage 2, which I think will carry it forward in uh, in many ways. And it's very rare nowadays, you know, once again, this kind of goes in contrast with the game we just talked about, A Plague Tale, where so many games are very story-centric, they have some nice gameplay systems, but overall it's about delivering that story. 
And sometimes, very rarely, we see a game that's just about fun. And so I personally am like, we, I'm not saying everyone's got to share my point of view, but I, I like the idea of celebrating a game for strictly going for fun. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like what we did with, and not that it doesn't happen. It's like Rocket League. It's a game purely fun based. Uh, there's a competitive, competitive element to it. It's really intense, but it is a very fun game and it wasn't built around storytelling, universe building, all that shit. I could say the same thing about Overwatch. Well, it has its own separate lore. Uh, when I used to play it in its heyday, fun game, strictly why it won my game of the year in 2016. Um, I just, I guess I don't want that being lost in the conversation of better or no. worse, because what I'm aiming at to those listening who may be on the fence is that I, I guess what I, what I was trying to emphasize more so is that what we have on our hands is a fun game that might not have a score representing it. And uh, that's why I, I made a video on my channel about the review scores and how it, it's not like you should just flat out ignore them, but um, take, Taking into consideration who's reviewing it, what they're saying, what their tastes are, very important. Watch people who challenge you, watch people who don't. Uh, all that stuff, I think, is very well, important. Well, also, look at Days Gone. It got rated quite low. And it's And I like, think a lot of people, oh. it's selling very well, and a lot of people like it. Some people don't, for sure. Um, I think it's it doesn't matter. more than uh, God of War in Japan. It, it did, it did. Um, and Insane. it's number one above Mortal Kombat, which I think Mortal Kombat held itself back due to the grind yeah. and, you know, yeah. all that discussion. But it's really not that surprising to me. And, I mean, I don't know why it is, ter- like, because you will get people who are, like, shocked. Mm-hmm. But what's weird to me is I'll say, somebody will be shocked at me, for example. They'll be like, I can't believe you didn't agree with whatever game review I agreed. And I'm like, you do need to realize that the very first word in all of my descriptions is independent game reviewer. I'm not a part of IGN. So if IGN mm-hmm. scores something a certain way, I could score a different, or we could agree. That's what independent game reviewer means. Yeah. That's also what an IGN means when they have four reviewers for games. Those reviewers will think of different games in different ways. There's a reason why podcasts exist. Kind of funny games, that's all they do, is they all sit around and argue about the same game. And they I don't know. even agree. Right? So to me, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but it is weird. I think these numbers cause people to draw a line in the sand. And it's like, mm-hmm. w- I don't think there's an example of any person listening who cannot tell me a game that they have disagreed with the majority on. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And there's certainly not something wrong with them disagreeing with you because you like a certain <clears throat> game, me because I like a certain one or dislike mm-hmm. it, as long as context is drawn. I think most of the time we do that. But sometimes you won't. I mean, sometimes you just won't hit it for somebody. But yeah. I don't really even look at Metacritic or I didn't know what it was rated until somebody in Discord I was like, dude, until, it rated uh, a YouTuber. No, I, I know, follow, and we have the discussion. Yeah, they, they put it out, and then they were like, I can't believe this is scoring like considerably worse than Rage 1. I was like, really? Like, how long is this? Like, hyperbolic? Yeah, that's and sort I of looked, and I was, like, I was like, oh, wow. Like, it is by a decent amount. And I think Rage 2 offers a lot for, for what modern gamers have dug for years. But uh, maybe it's on the tail end where people are getting open-world fatigue. It'll be an interesting conversation to see develop. Apocalyptic fatigue. Everything from State of Decay, Days Gone, Far Cry New Dawn, Mad uh, Mad Max, as well as now this, Rage 2. So are people getting a little bit of post-apocalyptic fatigue as well? I guess guess that's why, I I don't know, I feel like all that just ends up being attacked. Because I could resonate with that, but I just feel like... But it's For not example, you. State of, yeah, 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 absolutely. I'm just saying I could resonate and understand where, where, they're go, where they're coming from. But, like, for example, State of Decay. I think well, it was so buggy. It's price point, and it's obviously a lot better now. But I'm saying it's price point and it's gameplay systems. Some of it's tension in the, yeah, the, right. the looting. It's just 
fucking awesome. And I'm a like, lot of companies don't take price in, Maddie. Um, I, the number yeah. of people I know who, when I say it's for, forty is different than sixty, people are like, oh, I didn't even think about that. And I'm like, wait, aren't we the community that talks about humble bundle all the time and getting mm-hmm. things on sale? How can you not discuss that in a review? And I've even seen huge review podcasts. I don't consider pretty much... stuff like humble bundle because I feel like that just that fluctuates. No, but I you, don't know you consider, but I consider the day and date purchase for whatever the, it right. costs me on the day of purchase is how I rate the game. Same. So if it's forty dollars, and then if somebody comes in and says it's on sale for twenty now, and I'm like, well, there you go. If it was a buy already, it's probably a buy now. If it's yeah. wait for a sale, guess what? It's on twenty. That's wait for a sale. So <laughs> you're wor- good to go. The worst is when I'm I'm playing seventy six for like a stream on like a new patch, and uh, I cl- I clearly said like avoid the game at all costs, even if it's at ten dollars. And people come in and go, hey Maddie, should I buy the game yet? And I'm like, no, 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 it's <laughs> changed. No. Yeah, yeah. Unless something has drastically, and I've certainly had that. I, yeah. I think overall, you know, you just have to. Context is king, and a lot of people don't want to draw it. It's an right. uncomfortable conversation to have. Let's be honest. Not everybody loves to discuss stuff. They do don't have a lot of money, maybe. Mm-hmm. They want the line drawn in the sand because that sixty bucks matters to them. It's why we buy the games because sixty bucks matters to yeah, us. These are precious. Some people don't buy the games, and I do believe that that does slightly also alter somebody's mm-hmm. rating if they're not buying the games i think that does at times slightly alter some of the scores we see right. i, I don't know how much but i feel that that's possible psychologically all right well an interesting conversation there and now we'll hit and head when well, i say head in head into the news yes longer show this time around probably anyways ladies and gentlemen Let's get started with. I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to do my my timestamps on the phone this time around. Uh, not the best idea. I'm just way better with handwriting it. Uh, Sony and Microsoft have teamed up. Yes, those of you who have clung on to your precious consoles in uh, trying to swear allegiance have now been betrayed by your very leaders. So this information comes <laughs> from PCGamer.com uh, by Andy Chalk. We're going to read through uh, this nice little article here. So let's get started. In what way? What may be one of the most unexpected team-ups since Archie met the Punisher, I like that reference, Sony and Microsoft have announced plans to form a strategic partnership through which they will collaborate on the development of cloud-based technology to support their game and streaming services. So this isn't, ladies and gentlemen, like other Sony and Microsoft. This is our Sony and Microsoft who works on games. Sony is a creative entertainment company with a solid foundation of technology. Uh, we collaborate closely with a multitude of content creators that capture the imagination of people around the world through our cutting-edge technology. We provide the tools to bring their dreams uh, and visions to reality. For many years, Microsoft has also uh, has been a key partner for us, though, of course, uh, the two companies have been also competing in some areas. I believe that our joint development of future cloud solutions will contribute greatly to the advancement of interactive content. Uh, the partnership at this point is strictly a memorandum of understanding, which the companies said uh, will enable them to explore the potential use of Microsoft's Azure, 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 Azure yeah. data centers to support Sony's online services, which is awesome. We'll get into that in a little bit as well as joint development of new hardware and AI technology. More long-term, the announcements suggest a mix of Sony's hardware, cutting-edge image sensors and semiconductors, and Microsoft's Azure AI and cloud technology. 
Um, the parties will explore incorporation of Microsoft's advanced AI platform and tools in Sony consumer products to provide highly intuitive and user-friendly AI experiences. Uh, Sony's always been a leader in both entertainment and technology, and the collaboration we announced today builds on this history of innovation. Um, games, game consoles typically fall outside of our purview, but the, com- the potential impact of this partnership on gaming as a whole through advances in streaming AI cloud technology and the promise of better development platforms for content creator community is enormous. Predictions of the final constant generation have been kicking around for years. Uh, Ubisoft CEO Yves Guillemont, Guillemont, I think it is. Guillemont, yeah. Uh, said last year that he thinks the next console generation will likely be the last, but this may be the biggest step yet towards making that outcome a reality. So great write-up by Andy. Thank you for that wonderful article. Uh, for me, what stuck out the most was knowing that Sony will be taking advantage of Microsoft's data centers to have yeah. better online services because they fucking suck. What do you think overall, though, of this write-up and, and, and some shocking news this week? I was here when Nintendo and Sony almost released the same console. Mm. So to me, it's not surprising. Right. I mean, uh, I the streaming service, they only have Amazon and Google to go against. Take-Two announced yesterday that they were supporting Stadia. Um, completely in all their new future games. So I believe that there was almost nowhere to go. Sony has all kinds of issues. Sony uh, banked a couple hundred million in OnLive as well as Genki, which were both streaming services and neither worked out. And they have issues galore. Issues galore. for them, I feel. Yeah. So for Microsoft, I do feel that overall it's not as big of a deal as people think. I was joking in my Discord yesterday that what if Microsoft said, hey, we'll help you out, but the next big exclusive like Horizon Zero Dawn is on both systems or something, you know. But it was more of a joke. (laughs) But I think overall um, what it does look like, especially with the AI discussion, people don't realize that one of the big things Microsoft and Sony are both trying to do is also uh, strengthen their infrastructures using AI so Mm -hmm. that their networks can't be hacked and stuff like that. So I think that in no way, shape, or form does Microsoft want a cross-platform game where Sony's gets hacked. This is something that the uh, World of Tanks developer just spoke about at a GDC where they discussed how stressed Microsoft was about their accounts Mm. on World of Tanks being translated into Microsoft systems because they were worried about a hack getting through so my personal belief is to get crossplay working this is not saying crossplay will work on every system but to get microsoft and sony to i agree on things it does help that they understand where microsoft's coming from microsoft is helped by putting their you know games having cross-platform um so to me it was sort of it was it was interesting news mm-hmm. but microsoft has put, sort of put it on the wall for two years now i just don't think people believed them Right. I mean, Phil's been out there going like, we're dude, we're on Nintendo. Anyone. We're working with Nintendo. And Sony and Nintendo work together. I think those are more, that would be more surprising because I still think there's there's bad blood between them due to the, you know, the reason why we're playing PlayStation games at all is because Nintendo fucked over Sony. The reason why Square <laughs> works with Final it's Fantasy. A, lo- a long grudge held. <laughs> a long grudge held. Dude, they got a Book of Woe like a dwarf in a war, you know, like a, a Warcraft game where they're like, the Book of Woe indicates very first write-up is Sony. You know, Nintendo's <laughs> like, we're coming after them. And Sony's like, we're coming after them. So, uh, yeah, to me, it's it's cool. But I, I I don't know what game stuff we'll see. But I certainly can see them being a little easier with crossplay. The feel... AI thing is... Oh, good. No, I just I, I I thought of this initially, and it'll tie into what I think you were about to say. Is do you feel it's almost like a high tide raises all ships? Almost like you know they're working together because when they both elevate in this segment here, 
their business the businesses, regardless of whatever console people pick, the gaming industry will grow and turn, and they will still, regardless of the fact yeah. that their businesses earn more money. Yeah, and Microsoft, people do not want to admit this because it pains them, but the fact is, Microsoft gets paid no matter what. It'll be, they'll get, if, if people will say, oh, it's on the PC and the Xbox, so it's not exclusive, guess what? They own PC. It's called Windows. <laughs> so you want to uh... pretend whatever you want to pretend. The fact is, is that Microsoft is out there looking at services. They're talking to Nintendo, which is crazy. Trying to help Nintendo with online services. Oh, if Microsoft, so interesting with Microsoft. If Microsoft can figure out a way to worm in, you can use that language if you want to be negative, worm into these other e e ecosystems and say, we'll help Nintendo, because they're helping Nintendo. They're talking about Xbox Live service on that system. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that Microsoft, if they can get it figured out, Discord just said they want to be on Switch. All these, all these companies see these openings on these other companies. One of the biggest gaping wounds in Sony is their network infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And if you don't believe me, go look at any forum and check Sony hacks on your dual authentication PSN account and tell me there isn't hundreds of pages of people like, I just got hacked on my PlayStation 4. Like, what the fuck? So Sony wants to stop that. And Microsoft is a good way. And then Stadia is a big deal. So is Amazon. They're both doing their own streaming services. And they both Nintendo need to elevate and... to compete eventually because that's the They future. do. They do. Even if it means elevating, it means that maybe your next Tomb Raider is on both. You know, it, it's like you're releasing your next game or you fuck over the competition and find out that your your system isn't going to get the game at all because Stadia is the one with the best pi anti-piracy or whatever. So Sony and Microsoft working together doesn't surprise me from a tech issue. I don't think we're going to see a piss station, you know, yeah. or a, a, a piss box, P <laughs> PSN box. I don't, I don't see us, I don't see us seeing that. Yeah, I just, I, I think it's really cool. I think the idea yeah. that suddenly these guys are like best friends and like the console war is over is pretty fucking stupid. And everybody I talk to, Maddie. As you were, I, every person in my Discord who's tech, and there's multiple network administrators in there. Some who work for Sony and xbox that i know of maybe nintendo all say the same thing they're like microsoft servers are just better like if any company Small can figure out a way to get them just use them and be like that handles 80 percent of your problems just the go with them psn crashes all the time my eyes bothering me sorry i gotta take these off no that's all right yeah psn crashes all the time it, it is constantly laggy uh it it out of any system i have even my switch which doesn't have the strongest wireless adapter as we all know it disconnects me more than anything. It, it blows my mind that someone yeah. launched a console with something like that. And it, part of it's their their network, though. It's not just the the wireless adapter. Yeah. And so They're, it, they have all kinds of problems. Yeah, man. I, I would really appreciate it if they. That's one thing I've always said for them is is get on Microsoft's level in the in the online yeah. services department, and you'll be golden. But you know, if you want to even just maintain that that front that you guys have, of, let's just focus on exclusives and only exclusives. Go ahead, but get your online shit straight because it's been it's been yeah. bad for way too long. And I mean, let, you, you can't be Sony and pretend Microsoft isn't the one handling the server systems, mm -hmm. right? At some point, you have to look outside of games, and every time you're talking about your server infrastructure, somebody keeps mentioning your competitor. At some point, you have to be like, are they a competitor in this? We need to improve our stuff. Are we gonna are we gonna build our own server infrastructure? And Microsoft already built theirs. It's built everywhere. Mm -hmm. So. It only makes sense at some point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you have you have to do it. Yes, indeed. Well, interesting news there. We'll see if there's yeah. any impact of that when it comes to E3. I doubt it, but 
Anyway, the piss box. I'm yeah, telling right? you. <laughs> PSN Xbox. It's a nice little hybrid. <laughs> <laughs> People would shit. The world wouldn't be able to I, handle I, yeah, it. Yeah, I would love to see gamers. the devastation of like some 14-year-old oh. who swore allegiance to the PlayStation oh. Army. Dude, it would be devastating, <laughs> which would be a blast to watch. So uh, next is Metro Exodus gets two new DLC episodes. Ladies and gentlemen, character spilled a little bit of soda on his beard. I, I, I did. I did. I don't know what was going on. His little oh. beard net caught it. That was adorable. <laughs> <laughs> beard net. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's going to stick with me. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Metro Exodus expansion pass content detailed. First DLC drop lands this summer. This is by Stephanie Nunnally. Nunnally? Yes. On uh, videogames247.com. Contents of the Metro Exodus expansion pass has been provided, and the first drop will arrive in the summer. 4A Games has announced the contents, uh, which will come in two major DLC drops. Both feature new stories from the Metro universe, and in place of Artyom, in one you will play as the American Aurora Sam. Uh, While all content is available through the expansion pass, it will also be made available separately. Details on both DLC releases are below in... uh, are below with the two kernels uh, will be arriving this summer, followed by Sam's story in 2020. Um, by the way, if you have not completed Metro Exodus, what follows will contain spoilers. You have been warned. Okay, so let's let me let me briefly scan this and make sure that this synopsis doesn't. This okay, two kernels doesn't seem to have spoilers. Okay. All right, well, anyway, I'll just warn everybody, skip to the next timestamp just in case, but I'm going to read the the details of this expansion pass. All right, so to Colonel Summer, Colonel Klebnikov is below the surface of the ghost town Novos... Oh, man. Novosibirsk. And and is on a quest to find his home and his son, Kirill, in in time for New Year. Um, but between the mud obstructing the tunnels and the intensifying attacks by mutants, things aren't going so well. Plus the ecological material, which protects the population from radiation is scarce. The two kernels will also feature a new weapon, the flamethrower. Next is Sam's story, early 2020. The second piece of DLC Sam's story is the new sandbox survival level based on Vladivostok. Sam is a U.S. Marine stationed at the Moscow embassy before the bombs were dropped. He wants to return to America where he hopes to find his family alive. The prospect seemed impossible, but when he and the other Spartans don't, uh, other Spartans discover Moscow was not the only city left alive after the war, holding out hope doesn't feel so foolish anymore. In his quest to head home, Sam makes his way to the remains of Vladivostok's harbors only to find his surroundings far trickier than expected. Uh, it's available for pre-purchase now for $25. I'm going to be honest with you, man. None of that sounds interesting to me. Did any of that catch your interest at all? It's not that that caught my interest. It's that I didn't know there was this DLC coming. I wasn't tracking it. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested only because of that it, it might be something good, not necessarily anything in that press release. It's just like, oh, but that's it. Not, oh, that now sounds interesting. So yeah. I, it'll, I'll have to see, like, as somebody does a preview, um, more of what it offers. But none of that really sounds super catchy yeah and uh part of it's probably because i wasn't a huge fan of exodus talked about it a lot on the podcast but um it's it's story didn't really click grab me at all and its characters certainly did not 
Um, I liked when the gameplay sent us into more, and this kind of contradicts what I was actually, not contradicts, but it's against what I said earlier about Rage 2, so it just goes to show certain games function better in certain surroundings, and Metro is one of those games that's better in the more confined setting, and when it opened mm-hmm. up, it worked in some ways, but it started to feel like a Far Cry game, which, you know, I just wasn't huge on. So, seeing more DLC, especially that takes place before all of this, it shows that they didn't have much places to go narratively until the next official game, which is all the more reason why I'm like, I'm not, I'm not interested. We'll see, though, if that uh, turns out to be anything worth paying Yeah, I mean, I've to. been wrong on preview, you know. You're like you yeah. hear something, you're like, eh, "Pray too," or uh, not "Pray too," but "Praise DLC." Yeah, Moon Crash. Like, I, right? Like, if when people talked about that, I'm like, "All right, okay." Like, yeah. I didn't really. And in fact, I was the opposite. I was interested in the VR. The VR turned out to not be good, but the actual DLC I did not think was going to be good turned out to be awesome. Yeah, so. when you heard procedural generation, for me that was an instant turnoff. But it kind of turned my opinion on it, where I was like, "Oh, procedural generation could be really good." Outside of Minecraft, yeah. when I was 13. Yeah. So, yeah, true. <laughs> we'll see, man. We'll see. Anyway, flying through the news here, just because we do have a lot to chip through. We're going to head over to Wolfenstein Youngblood, which will be borrowing elements from Arcane Studios. I thought this was really interesting, as we've talked a lot about Bethesda content in the past, but also I think Youngblood's an interesting case. This is a $30 game that is uh, coming from Bethesda. Uh, it's co-op. It's one of those buy one copy. Uh, if you get the deluxe edition, which is forty dollars, um, you get another code, which goes to a friend. So pretty much, you split it twenty twenty, right? And uh, you get a, a, a what looks to be a pretty solid game, albeit some really odd writing based off the trailer. So anyway, let's uh, let's get into this write up. This also comes from PC Gamer. Uh, Vicky Blake has the the write up for us. So. Wolfenstein Youngblood will be the first game in the series to offer open-ended levels that can be played in multiple ways. Talking to executive producer Jerk Gustafson, official PlayStation Magazine revealed in its June 2019 issue that while the campaign is lighter in both tone and campaign length, which was to be expected for its price and its offering, developing the game alongside Dishonored developer Arcane Studios means that the gameplay, the amount of gameplay time is greater because of its open-ended structure. I think players will see a lot of similarities to level design in Dishonored in the Dishonored games. So in that sense, it can be a little bit different as an experience, but it can be for the benefit of the game, especially when it comes to finding different ways of an approach in a in a combat scenario or a mission in general. The open-ended structure and co-op aspect have made it a little more difficult when it comes to the narrative, but we do think we have a strong story. Obviously, you're not going to say, well, it fucking sucks, but uh, at least we got these cool levels, right? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but it's um, quite different from when uh, what we have done before. It's a bit lighter, not only in tone, but also the amount of content. Okay, so they kind of rehash what they just said for an extra paragraph. Players will be able to stay in the game for a long time, he added. We'll add additional side missions and new challenges once the campaign is completed. There will be a lot more activities and side missions that you can do in Wolfenstein Youngblood than in previous Wolfenstein games. Well, previous Wolfenstein games didn't boast much content, uh, just the story usually. Um, there were some like little objectives you could do on the side, and uh, obviously en- there was the Enigma system in um, in Wolfenstein 2. Anyway, I thought this was really awesome, because I think Arcane Studios is arguably... I Would I go this far with this hot take? I'd say like the best level designers in the industry, when you look at Prey, Dishonored. So seeing that they're going to have an effect on Wolfenstein, which... You could see in 2 where they gave you this suit where you could shrink down and crawl under stuff or, or use the, the stilting and go above things. 
Um, that or, or you could, I think, sprint through enemies. There were like three different options. You could tell Wolfenstein was heading in that route of more gameplay freedom whilst trying to remain narratively focused. So I love the idea of seeing Arcane get their hands on this game a little bit more alongside Machine Games. Um, what what are you thinking with Wolfenstein? Do you, do you think uh, open-ended level design is more appealing to you? Or would you like a, a better narrative? Do you feel a little bit, though, just a little bit, by the way, mm-hmm. but a little bit that the last Wolfenstein had, I like, a sort of a touch of this? It's, yeah, well, that's it's, what I was saying with the suit. I thought it kind of yeah, introduced like, that and some of the levels supported it. Yeah, so ton, to me, though. right, and so to me, I think this is probably the perfect way to go, where it's just like, we're not dishonored the Wolfensteinian, like, that's not what we're doing, <laughs> but we're going to take some. So mm-hmm. I actually feel that they've already gone this route, and so I'm I'm totally happy with it. I'm not a big hater of the Wolfenstein games. I like different ones differently. I think it favorite? could be, man, probably the original remake, yeah, the, the new you know. Oh, wait, you're talking yeah. about 09? No, no, um, no, the New Order. Two, two ago, or New, was it New Order? There was New Order, Old Blood, New Colossus. Colossus was two. Old Blood was the expansion, which I personally didn't like. That's my least favorite. And then there was the first one, New Order. I, I think it's New Order. Okay. The, fir- the first of these. Um, but regardless, like I didn't hate any of them. Space Station mission, mo- Nazis on the moon. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hate any of them. For sure. I right. just want to make sure that's clear. But I no, agree. I think that the last one we played, there were elements of, of Dishonored. And I don't hate Dishonored, but you know that I'm... Like, the only one I've yet to play that I'm really interested in is the uh, one you reviewed. Death the, the Outsider. Death the Outsider. I don't know why. That just really appeals to me. Um, Six-hour game. Yeah, and the others just weren't really for me. But the idea of taking mm-hmm. elements of it, I think, makes Wolfenstein stronger rather than weaker. So I have no problem with that. I think gotcha. I think it'll be very cool. I think Wolfenstein already, even more than Doom, has a flexibility in the function of some of its weapons and its over-the-top, mm-hmm. like uh, the mech suit, like you said. Like so, to me, it fits, and so I'm excited for it. I mean, it, again, as long as they don't go nuts, I don't want mm-hmm. walls in the middle of nowhere so you can fucking stealth or anything. Like it would be more along the lines of just uh, attacking uh, enemies and doing things in an order that is different than the person next to you. Right on. Yeah, I, I like I like the idea of Wolfenstein opening up more because as we we both mentioned, they're heading in that direction, and I think it's good for the series because it seemed like there was a, a lot less gameplay in two compared to one, and so focusing on on level design, opening things up more, uh, drives people to to focus on that gameplay more. I have a uh, question. Let the story sit back a little bit this time around. What was your question, sir? Do you feel? There's a chance that because it's twins, you have different gameplay elements for each twin. Like one twin's shorter, and they can slide under this. Or gotta be. We don't really know much, and it's coming out in July. We don't. That's why I'm asking you because I was hoping you knew or had some data. I don't have, mm. but I don't know anything about the game. So I was like, that would be sort of cool. And not. It wouldn't be. That's really redundant. What I said about like one person's taller. But you get my drift. Like, I, yeah, they're gonna play differently and and feel differently. I feel yeah. like they have to. In in the spirit of a co op game, right? Because right, you're you're, Otherwise, if you're playing the same as your friend. What's the yeah, point? Yeah, right, right. So, do we know if they have powers or? Uh, or... No, it, it might be kind of like in in universe stuff. Uh, I'm looking at uh, right now. I'm actually looking at a screenshot that's attached to this article, and, and you know that 
uh, I'm sure a Wolfenstein fan will, will be able to correct us, but the, the armored suit that BJ wears in two, that pretty much keeps his body together. Mm-hmm. And it's what allows him to go up on the stilts and, and do all the crazy right. shit. Yeah, uh, they're both wearing that in this screenshot, which I think, I'm, I, I imagine it, they'll tie in stuff to that suit. And yeah, and imagine if you have more skills own. based around them. Yeah, you could do some, what if... I mean, dude, Wolfenstein's always had a really good perk system, a really underrated one. What if they did it to where you and I somehow, now bear with me, on the co-op, if we're playing at the same time, if you and I only got a, like, uh, okay, I don't know how this would work, but what if you and I were playing and your skill points you got could only be used, like the suit couldn't be upgraded in the same place on both people? I'm just trying to, like, what if we grab a, what if there's two updates? There's a power reactor uh, upgrade and then there's also a gun upgrade or whatever, and you and I have to choose which, who gets that? Do you see what I'm saying? So that so you can't, you get we one can't upgrade overlap. For... For, yeah, and so like, so when we're playing together, you're all okay. There's this pedestal. I'm just making shit up now. There's yeah. a pedestal, and there's an upgrade for jumping. And there's an upgrade for guns. Which do you want? And you're like, okay, I'm good at the like. I've been pretty good at the movement moving around. So I'll do with that one, so that we can't overlap. Because I'm really against the overlap thing. Mm-hmm. The like you said that I don't want different. You know, us to be boy and girl, and we're the right. same or even girl a girl on this because you're a twin siblings female. So I would like to see something like that. Or I don't know how I, they would do it. I just my, don't know anything about the game to even guess. No, my so. guess would be, if anything, based off previous Wolfenstein games, it always had, like, a perk system that would, would give you yeah. better perks if you, for example, got, like, 50 stealth kills, something would change, and um, it's been a oh, while. Oh, so you're thinking gameplay fed upgrades? So I think it's going to be gameplay fed upgrades that okay. are different for each one. So one might be okay. stealth sniping. And, and yeah, you'll get right. better critical hit damage or something like that versus one who, who gets up close and, up close. and personal, uh, maybe something like that. You know, that'd be cool. That'd or be cool. I, I'd rather I'd rather be more of a so open ended that it's not like one's a preset sniper and one is a up up close running gunner, but rather there are just like three trees that represent what style of play you want to go with, and, and the characters are almost just bodies that you fill and 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 you see a story told through them. If would you want sense. right but would you if we both got a skill point would you want it to still be acceptable if we both chose the same skill hmm. or do you think they'll have different skill sets completely i think they'd have different on which trees i'm thinking i'm That's almost I'm i should have just i should have used the comparison i'm almost okay i see what you're saying now we're like i see what you you're have saying like now. the Classes. three skill trees yeah yes yeah. thank you god couldn't get the word no out. that's all right I, yeah. I well it's because neither one of us know what the fuck's going on with the game is coming out in like a month and a half could be a bit concerning but Oh, I'm I'm assuming true. maybe it's because it's a smaller game. Normally, like if this is a big game, I'd be like, all right, what the fuck's going on? Mm. But since it's a smaller game, I feel like it's it, they're trying to encourage that impulse by like, all right, let's ramp up in that last month. You know, obviously we're going to see it at E3, and they're probably going to go off marketing it from then. We know the price. Forty dollars for deluxe split. Oh, it. that's what it is. Yeah, split and then it. and then the normal price is thirty, and they actually okay. uh, make it available digitally on Switch for thirty. Or, or I think the no. What sorry? What it is is actually Bethesda is not including a cartridge to avoid the switch tax, so it's like thirty flat across the board no. for every system. Which I, I personally like that they avoided the switch <gasps> tax. Crossplay? Don't Probably know. Not. Probably no not. Nintendo Xbox. That would be crazy that would be awesome. pants. 
That would be crazy pants if you're like I somebody's over at your place with a switch doing it wire like uh you know uh what the fucking handheld. Yeah. And then like the other person's playing on a console. If if dude I would love that. that Oh, that would be awesome, especially because a lot of us don't have two switches sitting around, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, <laughs> like true, the idea true, true, true. Of, that would be fucking great, man. I would love that. Well, fingers crossed. Yeah, uh, I'm just making over. shit up, by the way, people. Anybody yeah. watching? None of this is We're real. We're having fun out here. <laughs> <laughs> We're having fun out here. Our last story is Red Dead Online, which has exited its beta phase, according to Push Square. Dot com. We got one last article to get into and then a, a fun little segment to start closing out the show. Rockstar has pushed out a mega patch for Red Dead Redemption 2, and you can download it right now. Uh, by the way, this, this story comes from Robert Ramsey. Sorry. Um, there are also a few state fixes for the single-player story buried in the patch notes. Also buried in there is the removal of the beta label for both the game's logo and in-game text, although Rockstar hasn't made a big deal out of it for whatever reason surely means that Red Dead Online is finally out of beta. And if that's the case, then it's clear to see why. The update adds a lot of new stuff to Red Dead Online, including the ability to try your hand in poker with other players, loads of new missions, dynamic open-world events, over 370 new clothing items and variations, the Lamette, Revolver, and much more. Uh, Listing everything would actually probably break our war limit, so be sure to click through the full patch notes here, which is listed on the Push Square site. Go ahead, give them a click. Good site. Perhaps a highlight of the update is that it looks to fix those pesky HDR issues some players have been having on PS4. Players can now switch between existing cinematic HDR and new HDR styles. And a new option has been added to allow manual adjustment to peak brightness values uh, for different displays, right in the aforementioned patch notes. Oh, and the much-requested defensive playing style has been added. Um, In theory, this option should should prevent... uh, widespread murder by other players with defensive mode activated your character can no longer be tackled lassoed or even locked onto what more what's more is defensive players will take less damage in general hopefully this encourages a more peaceful online environment which is something that's been missing in red dead online since day one thank god because it's just red dead online sucked uh so I'm, I'm curious about this patch and i would like to try it out but does this stoke your curiosity at all no, I will probably. I, I don't think I'll probably ever go back to Red Dead. Really? Like at all? Yeah, single player, I may go back. I've been talking about, like, you know, doing a cabin and, like, going away where nothing's connected. Mm-hmm. So, like, Red Dead or, or GTA where you can just have fun. But um, I was so burned on the online beta. And there's still, I just found out from somebody yesterday, there's still restrictions on just fishing. Like, you have to be a Superman to fish. Like, it's level 12 or 20. And, you know, I haven't jumped back in. Very grindy. The, the, very grindy for the basic things. I, I would love for us to all be able to go in and fish, right? Mm-hmm. And Abzi and I, you met him. We, we jumped in. You couldn't even do that. You know, there was all these little locks. I also found out today the online poker actually only works for people in areas where so they've closed it off for any places where gambling's illegal. So mm-hmm. he lives in a place where you can't gamble. Mm. So he can't even do online poker with me in that wow. game. Yeah, so there's just so many issues. And to be honest, the horizontal uh, the horizontal mayhem that's available in GTA because of uh, helicopters, airplanes, all that kind of stuff. Vertical? isn't the, uh, Vertical, thank you. I'm doing yeah. this and I'm like talking about horizontal. People are like, dude, seriously? Um, <laughs> the vertical that's available there isn't available in Red Dead. It's just horses, and it's all horizontal, right? So 
Yeah, so I, it's just uh, it just doesn't. All those side activities are what want, made me want to play, and so there's so many caveats to it that I just I honestly don't think I'll ever turn on Red Dead Online ever again. I may do I may do the single player, but mm. sadly yeah. enough, no, I'm I'm with you. I I want to try it out maybe with some friends one night, but I don't know if it goes beyond that. More curiosity, right? Yeah. It's like Days yeah. Gone. After I reviewed it, I went back and kept playing after its patches just to see if, like, it really got better. And because people were like, it's not that bad. And I went back and played and, like, instantly my, I started lagging. I was like, all right, this, this is fucking stupid. So, yeah, I, I, out of sheer curiosity, now that the review season's done, I might I might look at that. Um, glad other people like it. It's just not for me. It's just not my thing. Perfect. So, with that out of the way... All our news is done. We do have one thing we want to, I want to personally tack on, which is the patron questions. So we'll tie that also into uh, our last segment where we're going to talk about one game that we just really love lately, man. One game that we just can't stop talking about. We just want to, you know, conclude it on a positive note. But first, some questions from our lovely patrons over Let's on do my this. Discord. Yes, we, uh, for those who don't know and are listening right now, just know that Let's get can... ready. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue. No, you had to get fired up, man. These these people yeah, are coming yeah. at us hot. But uh, yeah, you guys go ahead into the Discord. There is a section called Podquest. Podquack sect. <laughs> I can't get this fucking shit. This is amazing. Podcast questions. Yeah, this fuck me. I said Podquack. I fucking hey, dog quack. Podquack I... questions coming at you. Podcast questions. Ladies and gentlemen, you can ask on the Discord. It's a fucking section. I don't care. Don't ask your questions now. I embarrassed myself. So the first one is two from Johnny EC. He says, two questions, both kind of asking the same thing. One, what are some of your least favorite trends developers follow? And what do you believe are some common mistakes developers do when following these trends? And what do you think would be a good remedy for these trends? For me, I dislike that a good portion of games nowadays try to make their games open world at or, or make their open worlds as big as possible without implementing things that would make it more enticing to explore. I, I don't know. Johnny kind of took the words out of my mouth. And it's funny because my favorite game this year so far is Rage 2, which is an open world game. But there are some times in an experience, like if they said a Plague's Tale, we're going to go back to that. We're just going to keep bouncing between these two titles. If they were like, Plague's Tale is, is an open world game, I'd be like, that doesn't work. It just mm. doesn't work. Um, it's kind of like when, when sort of felt the same way when, uh, shadow, the tomb Raider tried to open things up with a hub and then uh, and tons of exploration. Yeah. I was like, that doesn't work for tomb Raider. It was a Did you interesting like rise? game. I apologize. Rise, you like rise. No, you're good. Rise was good. Yeah. Rise was okay. good. I liked a lot of aspects of shadow. I thought it was a good game in many ways. I thought the way they did Lara was great. I thought, um, it's focus on puzzles and exploration rather than sure. gunplay was neat. But yeah, overall, I didn't think that was a game that fit that mold. It yeah. was forced because it's a good way to sell, and it's a desperate series that needs to sell to to try to stay relevant and alive. Um, and so I personally feel like developers need to stop, you know, not put yourself in your little box, but look around, observe, see what's working, but but create your own thing. You can't be a follower. You got to be a leader, I feel. And um, that's why I can't stand trend following in, in this industry because... It doesn't. It, it normally doesn't lead to anything good, because what'll happen is it almost you're almost piggybacking. So, think of Skyrim when it came out and how many games tried to mimic Skyrim in their own way and then had their own gimmicks. You'd always mention Skyrim in that same breath. And I'm sorry, but as right. a creator, 
if I'm working years and years on a game, I don't want to be mentioned. I want my game to be good enough to, to be its own thing, not mentioned in the same breath as other games, unless it's within a genre, right? Um, so that that's where I stand on that. I would I would like developers to stop with the open world stuff, much like Johnny here. And uh, I think a good remedy for that would, would be, like I said, stop being followers. Create. Mine, mine would be dishonest um, uh, twi- uh, uh, announcements. Mm-hmm. If you're going to have microtransactions, say it. If you're gonna have, um, if you're gonna have, like whatever you're gonna put into your game, I would much rather have the dishonesty be gone right away. Right. Um, I, it's starting to completely burn me out because I mean I've already known that some will be dishonest, and I don't mean the publishers. I'm talking about the developers themselves because a lot of people pretend that the publishers are the only ones who want money. Sorry, it's not how it works. <laughs> um, I just would I would really like that to stop. I would really like for people to just be upfront and be like. This is how our game is. Also, padding of story numbers. Yeah. Somebody's got a six-hour story. Fucking say it's a six-hour story, man. I don't want 25 hours of, like, really drawn-out shit. Just be like... Padding story might take precedent over over open-world fatigue. Yeah, and it's, and it's weird because I don't have open-world fatigue, and I play open-world games all the time. So you and I are just at a, a different level right now, mm-hmm. like, with experiences. Um but for me, my level of the dis of of like going and seeing an announcement about a game and just being like, blah, 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 okay, whatever. And yeah. we're not going to have this. And you know, you know, like of course you're going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we I talked about this. I tweeted you. I said, did you see the store in Bethesda's? I didn't know there was a store in Rage Two, at all. And I was like, did you see the store? Like, mm-hmm. I don't even I don't have anything even about that. And I had to yeah. go investigate it. Just fucking say, that. just say, say you got pimp teeth fucking skins in your store in rage 2 i'm okay with that <laughs> but i don't need i don't need the the bullshit yeah um pretending there are other things ed boon we don't have loot boxes we have boxes that are shaped somewhat like squares that are loot and you're just like oh, fuck hmm. you know i just don't like that kind of the terminology they're all twisting it yeah their own version of the truth pretty much oh online only sorry online, no don't uh, go off man I apologize. You got, you got online pumped restrict, up? Go uh, off. Yeah, online uh, restrict. Uh, having to be online for single-player content. I'm looking at also, Elder Scrolls Legends on the mobile. I'm lo- yeah, Holy yeah, shit. It, it, dude, if something's single-player and it doesn't need online for whatever reason, just don't even require it. Figure out your DRM on some other way, because we know that that's mostly based on DRM, you know, yeah, trying dude. to keep somebody. Because I, I remember I, I talked about this in a... Actually, my tier list of all things. I mentioned how Elder Scrolls oh. Online, I ranked it a B, and I was like... Elder Scrolls Online is a fun card game, and I would have played it more on my phone when I downloaded it, but every time I went out to play the single-player version, I'd, I'd go on cert, like, I'd use my service, I'd be like, all right, fuck it, and I'd go play single-player stuff, and it'd be like, you disconnected. I'm like, what the fuck, what did I disconnect from, my single-player battle? And it would it would kick me out of the battle, no progress saved, no, like, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll hold you here. It was just, like, it, it reminded me of why I can't stand online only at times, because it's like, it's a fucking card game. Which which you can actually play by yourself, which would be nice. Dude, one of the worst examples I've seen lately is the Trials game, the new one. The I never new, looked the into motorbike that. game. Yeah, I never looked Holy into that. Holy shit. It wouldn't even give you loot boxes until you signed in. <laughs> Obviously, it was doing those loot boxes somewhere else, Ugh. like it was on the server. And you'd just be like, are you kidding me? And nothing would load up. And you'd just be like, you can't open this until you're online. You can't do this until you're online. You can't do this. And you're like, Jesus, mm-hmm. I'm not even in the multiplayer section. I'm in a completely right. separate, fix your shit. Have it done on the game disc. Like, have it done with the logic of the game. Don't have it connected to some bullshit server stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Next question comes from Dan. It, it's just for me. I'm sorry, Carrick. It's a short one. Oh, no, that's all right. Literally a yes or no. Uh, it says, I get it if you don't want to address this one on the potty, Matt. I like that. The potty. But any plans for a rare slash powerful weapons series for Borderlands 3? Um, oh, that'd be cool. That would be cool. I've noticed with my post-release post rage coverage, people like discussions from me. Um, like, I tried to make, like, a, a walkthrough video for H2, and it just didn't do well, which, you know, that's what experiment's about. But uh, it just kind of told me, like, okay, I look at what videos do well on my channel what don't, and it's it's normally discussion-based stuff, collabs, um, that type of stuff. So I, I would just say maybe if it fits the mold, but I, I wouldn't expect it. Because I feel like my weapon guides uh, worked best on, like, BGS games. Um, mm. Just because right. I feel like people knew me for that. People don't know me for yeah. People know me for Borderlands discussions. They don't know me for Borderlands guides. Um, so, in answer to your question, Dan, probably not. Last question from the Patreon Discord is from Redacted, who is Grimblade. He has changed his name because he was sharing yeah. Dang and Rampa spoiler, so he he put like black spoiler bars over it. It and was then, hilarious. Yeah, and, it's just you go in and there'd be huge sections of black. Because yeah. that's the thing is like as a Dang and Rampa fan, which I'll get into in a little bit. Uh, you just you want to hear everyone's experience, what they liked, what they didn't like, and, and you expect everyone to love it to death. And so he like writes this whole big spoiler blog on, on how he, you know, he likes some stuff. But anyway, uh, he changed his name to Redacted because he was using spoiler blocks so much to, to talk about this game. Uh, he says, what is it, or asks rather, he says, oh my god, I can't talk right now. This end of the podcast, I must be brain fried at the moment. What is a mechanic in a game that soured an otherwise enjoyable experience? I hate the driving mechanics in Rage 2 and feel like they are a huge downgrade from Rage 1. PS1 era, Grand Theft Auto also had some really poorly designed main story missions. I like this question a lot because it highlights how much of a nitpicky piece of shit I can be. And I gotta think a little bit of an answer. Um, I don't know why, I just thought of Lego Lord of the Rings. I hated its overworld. I thought it, I thought it fucking sucked. Because I love mm. Lord of the Rings. I love The Hobbit. And, and like, the overworld for that game was so bad. It's, it was so unnecessary. Um, but I'm sure I could think of a better answer in a little bit. Was there one game that may have been soured by one sole mechanic? Yep. I brought it up a hundred times. A thousand times. That fucking cat in Persona 5. Oh, no. Don't go there. <laughs> it's, the, I'm, it's the only one when you bring up anything like... Well, I'll just say this. How about you remove Persona 5 and remove the cat? Anything where there is a specific set of steps you can take where the game uses one of those steps to do its own thing. If you want to tell me a story, if you want to do anything, great. Still give me my three actions at the end of the night or whatever. I can't remember how many you had at the end of Persona. Every night you it had a certain number. It changes days. Yeah. That's what and it was. What, and what you're um, doing. Yeah, yeah. So to me, anything like that in any game that – that um, how many times have you got to a spot and you're like, I'm going to collect some stuff before I, let's say, trigger this main mission, right? And it triggers. And you're like, fuck. Yeah. That's not – days gone, by the way. Huge offender huge offender of doing that so those kind of things anything that steals that the allotted time i expect to have where the game chooses almost arbitrarily that you're not going to be able to do do something it kills my soul yeah see the thing though is why nitpick a lot it's never something i like harbor in me so when someone yeah. asks me on the spot unless it's about a specific it's hard to game, remember yeah it's, it's like i really struggle to just think of a game where I'm like, oh yeah, that really bugged me. I'm looking at my. Didn't my you hate game. something about Metro? 
I thought there was something about upgrading Metro. No, I really like the upgrade system. I, Metro was wasn't really Metro? a nitpick, though. It was more so just, like, the design of the game. Thematically? Yeah, not even thematically. Okay. I just, well, yeah, I, I thought some characters were, like, intentionally created to be foolish idiots, despite a very obvious scenario unfolding <gasps> in front of their face. I got one for you that's oh. yours. Sekiro, you didn't like the multiple force stealth. Remember, or the force yeah, kill. Remember, the force you were, stealth. like, yeah. the, yeah, the, the, the force. Of it. That yeah, definitely... you, the repetition bothers you. Yeah, I you know, I, I feel... Uh, yeah, what, what was his exact question? A mechanic in a game that's sour and an otherwise enjoyable experience? I'd say that fits the mold, yeah. Sekiro, I, I really probably would have liked, but just I don't mind yeah. in, as, as someone who I've, I've, I've stated my, my souls and, and Bloodborne achievements before. I'm not going to do it again, but as someone who tends to enjoy those games quite a bit, I think it shows that that really soured it for me, having overpowered yeah. stealth and repeating those segments over which dying's a part of the game but repeating stealth segments sucks even in i mentioned it in a plague's tale it sucks getting caught and sent back to your your checkpoint it's one of the worst things in games so Sekiro is probably a good one um shitty motion controls arms great fighter fucking awesome game but it, it like they'll tell you like doing this like put extending your arm will be a certain type of punch but if you extend your arm and start turning your fist it it sends the arm out and around but also mm-hmm. if you turn it all the way it does something else and it's like motion controls are so fucking gimmicky just just i, I want it to be a sound fighter and that's it so yeah that's another example that comes to mind anyway fantastic questions now we'll end on that promised positive note so let's talk about one game we really love Carrick. did it come to you you said you just kind of wanted to roll the flow, one. and it came to you. Excellent. Yeah. Well, let's hear it. You want me to go first? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, I've been returning to John Wick on VR. Wow. Might be because of the movie. Who knows, wow. now that I think about it. But um, it, one of the best shooting mechanics in a game and um, in VR, and there's a, uh, a shooting, um, what do you call it, a gallery. Mm-hmm. And you're in this middle, uh, you're in a subway and you're in the middle of like, let's say almost like a ticket giver's co-osk, but it's in the center and you spin around 360 and shoot targets. That's it. But it's shooting is so well done and so mm-hmm. well handled and it's reloading that you feel like John Wick. And so pretty soon you're like shooting behind your head. So I'll have friends come over and all doing things that the game doesn't require, which I right. usually know. It's almost like Doom uh, or Rage 2 when you're doing these amazing moves and you're leaping up and power bombing. You're like, yeah, you know, I don't need to do that. But right. yeah, that feels good. So, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, I've been returning to that multiple times. Awesome. And just it I think it's one of the few games in the world where I've seen a score. I don't care about scores ever. I and for whatever reason, I'll see my score and be like, I can do better. And mm-hmm. I'll jump back into it until I'm like just like exhausted to, to the point of shaky legs from like three and a half hours, head sweaty from doing VR. And I'll be like, okay, I'm done. I, I've kind it's, of looked into, I, I've been curious about that because like I, I've mentioned this before with, with getting a new puppy. I was fucking late to this podcast because it. it's a lot of work. And I've always wondered of VR workouts. Do, do they work? Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. There's a game. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, there's a game called Fastest Fist, which all it is is a Bruce Lee-looking knockoff with gloves, mm-hmm. and he's like, punch, and you do like the punch, and he knows, he's like, cross, and if you don't do a cross, they can tell because they track the movements, and then mm-hmm. pretty soon he's like, okay, now I'm going to punch at you, so he's like, one, two, and you do one, two, and then he swings above his head, and you have to duck, and I'm telling you, I've had friends come over and collapse, like, they have done, nice. you know, 30, 40 minutes of it and just been like, what in the fuck did I put myself through? And right. because they track verticality, 
they'll say do a squat and i'm telling you it doesn't take very many squats before most people are tired even if you're a weightlifter you know i mean like squats it's one of the major body movements and so you'll have somebody over and fastest fist is huge creed which uh looks amazing and follows the creed movie where you're fighting the various I characters saw that on from PSVR, rocky right holy uh i think it's psvr i know it's on wmr and the, the okay. pc versions but yeah yeah they work dude like I've, in fact, I would say one or two of my friends. That's their major workouts where they schedule. I just, whether it's a yeah. very active game or not, they. Schedule I, I just want it as an option because for me, I usually either go on jogs or, as you know, I, I go to martial arts. Mm-hmm. And martial arts has been a lot tougher lately because to I, get to and stuff. Yeah, because yeah. it's a it's an hour and a half, two hours of uh, uh, of my day, which I love dedicating it to, but it's just been tough because you have to keep the little guy under watch to some extent, right? Yeah, you can't just slap him in a cage or else. He'll shit and piss everywhere so i'm like i gotta find alternatives so i I jog outside a little bit more now uh it's probably what i'll do after this show but you know it it gets tough and i'm like all right maybe maybe vr workouts because someone mentioned uh playing beat saber and just working up a sweat that way we had people come into our chat one time reg he came into the chat and i could not understand him and he quite literally unsold me on beat beat saber because he was so tired (laughs) he was so tired and i he's like I was playing, I say, huh? And Tarmac, the YouTuber, he yeah. used to um he used to do YouTube now. I still talk to him all the time. He was he did Beat Saber and he's like, dude, it and he's in really good shape. And he's like, that shit on insane when you do like six songs and it's fun. He's like, cause so you're in it. You're like in it and you're mm-hmm. doing your shit. And then when you get done, you're like, What the fuck? I'm having a stroke. Yeah. <laughs> um though and and of course again, because it's music based, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh it's a game versus fastest fist which is i would say more of a workout game mm. um but yeah they're definitely a ton oh dude i'll tell you I, the tiredest i've ever been i did 14 hours straight of fallout 4 and i was i and i do martial arts daily and i was out for two days i played fallout 4 for so long squatting fucking shooting and not pausing not using vats and just fucking running around in fallout right. 4's world that i was in bad shape the next day like <laughs> back funny. you know shoulders like just from like you know because yeah, like you hunch up your up. shoulders oh dude it was it's awesome i love it it's actually one of the things i like so much it's a little dirty you know you got to make sure you clean the lenses and stuff um because it's so hot you know because you're yeah. you're doing something with a, a thing on your face but yeah yeah they work amazingly well. all right cool what, cool what was your game gang and romp uh, I, I, it's just been a theme in the discord. So I figured I'd carry it into here and try to sell more folks on it. Uh, I've talked about it on this podcast before I have yet to make that dedicated video. I mentioned one time about, I know why De- Danganronpa is so good. It's weird. And I, cause I made it once, uh, a really long time back and I, it was just titled Danganronpa is the best game you've never played. And like, I remember <laughs> it got, it wouldn't nowadays, but at the time it got destroyed by my audience cause they were like, weeb. And then, like, the whole Danganronpa community, like, came in and, like, just fucking oh. lifted the video up. And it was pretty dope. Mm. Um, so I, I got to make, like, an actual, you know, modern Maddie breakdown instead of me just, like, fanboying on camera. Um, but anyway, yeah. Danganronpa, for those who don't know, this is a game that's on the PS4, the Vita, and the PC. So it's pretty accessible now. I hope one day the trilogy comes to the Switch. Um, do not play Ultra Despair Girls. I'll start off with that. But anyway... <clears throat> Danganronpa is pretty much the concept is if you got trapped in a high school with 16 other people 
who are all supreme talents at something like the the ultimate tennis player, the ultimate swimmer, uh, all that stuff. They are like supreme talents. You don't really know what's going on, but you get trapped in a school and you're told, okay, pretty much live here forever. And if you want to get out, you got to kill each other. And it adds this tension of the gameplay driving you to build relationships with these characters, but then knowing that they might kill someone, they might try to kill you. And it leaves a bit of unease and uh, a very unique atmosphere in a, a premise that's not explored a lot. It's, it's, uh, you know, we, we talked about fatigue in certain genres, and there's nothing quite like Danganronpa. I can confidently tell you that if you'll never experience anything like it. It is a bit of a visual novel. Um, and the reason I say a bit is because as the series goes on, it gets more and more gameplay-driven. But I, I, I've promised this to every single patron, and everyone who's tested it so far has proven me right. I said... Get past the first chapter, you will be hooked. And that's like the tried and true rule for every Danganronpa game. You might burn yourself out a little bit going from one to the other to the other. So just start off with buying the first one, which was on sale for like $8 the other day. Um, just buy it, give it a whirl, get through the first chapter, and try and tell me you're not that you're not going to keep going. It's a um, bit outside of the comfort zone, I will say that. So I'm looking at a... I, I had to look it up. Um, so on the PC... There's Trigger, Happy Havoc, Goodbye Despair, another episode, Ultra Despair Girls, which you said no. Yeah. Then there's Danganronpa V3, and then Danganronpa... Oh, yeah, just one, Killing Harmony. So which of those? So, yeah, the way they're titled could be a little funny, because you have one which is Trigger, Happy Havoc. Trigger, Happy Havoc. That's the first one. And it doesn't say Mm -hmm. it's the first one, but then... Right. Which gets confusing, because then you see Ultra Despair Girls, which also doesn't have a number... But then Danganronpa 2, Goodbye Despair, obviously the second one, and V3, because of the V, it gets a little confusing. Is it a spinoff? That is the third entry. The The way that you're technically supposed to play it is 1, 2, Ultra Despair if you really want to, which, I, I mean, as a person who loves this series, it's not awful. It's just not really necessary. And then V3. Um, okay. Or rather the anime, uh, if, if you really want to go deep which I think if you've played one and two, you're probably pretty infatuated with the universe and the anime is worth it. I have a group of friends do not like anime. Just don't. Not their thing, not their taste. And they like Danganronpa enough that they watched 12 episodes of, of that show to, to fill in a part of the story to complete the universe right. that really isn't necessary for V3. It's really not. It's just kind of like more. Um, but anyway, really sinister style game. Um, you know, you you you're tra- it, it's very Japanese in a sense. You're trapped by a fucking teddy bear, but this teddy bear has like a real like probably one of the funniest characters in gaming. But he's also one of the most fucked up, very sinister. Um, hits some sore spots. Uh, it, it's rough, and the game tackles some really deep, dark themes. And I I think that if you're sold on good storytelling, it doesn't get better than Danganronpa. I said it on the stream last night. I'll say it again. Uh, probably my favorite series to drop. It, like a new series in the last five years. Uh, it came to the Vita in the U.S. Uh, in 2014. So in the last five years, this is my favorite shit. It is it is tremendous. It's got really good uh, reviews on Steam, too. Really good I'm just, reviews. I'm just looking, yeah. Just because it's it is... So weird looking. Even if it is a visual novel, which people go, I, I can read a book. It doesn't play, feel like, and you don't feel like it's a cumbersome experience because of it. Everything, like the writing... The, the voice acting, 
the the little audio blurbs that sometimes play when there isn't full-on voice acting, the trials, the gameplay, the investigation, how the story unfolds, the secret of the school, for example, I'm just talking about the first one, the post-game content. I mean, it's a very complete experience that lets you develop relationships with these characters. First game's about 30 hours, second game's 40, third game's about 50 to 60, depending on some of the extra shit you do. Gets longer each time, requires more of an investment, but I will say this. If you stick around until the first chapter of V3, fucking one of the most bold openings in a video game I've ever... I'm not even exaggerating, because I know I sound like a fanboy, but, it, like, ever fucking played. Carrick, like, you... It is fucking insane what they do. In the first, are they, at, the, at the end of the first chapter. Are, are there a bunch of mini-games, too? Inside the trials, there are mini-games. Um, so, like, you can do Psyche Dive, or... And it's based off, like, the flow of it. It's to, it's to make it more of a video game, so you're not just reading. So, when you're in a trial, um, you'll have to do, like, Hangman's Gambit. There are some, I'll admit, that aren't as good. But sure. I, I thought 2 had some of the worst. But outside of that, 1 and V3, I thought had really good mini-games in them. And two's many games aren't awful. They're just, I think, much more forgettable. And the Hangman's Gambit in two was was actually atrocious. Two has a text blurb where a girl she's got like horns, white and black, and she says, she says, "Man, I'm hella stoked. I'm 31 flavors of stoked for all this deliciousness." Ibuki. That's the. Oh, you know who that is. I, I could tell by the way you described her. Yeah, the characters are just memorable, man. Like it, it That's becomes cool. a very large cast and. I, I just say that if you if you are hesitant on it, sure. But if you ever see it on sale, it's an instant buy. Um, okay. Because I get the, the skepticism surrounding it. It's it's a different series. It's a bit of outside of people's comfort zone. But if you are feeling confident and you do trust me, which you should, especially on this one, man, it's worth the dive. It really is one of my one of my favorite series of all time. And and it is pretty much done now because the, the guy who directed it and pretty much anyone who made Danganronpa what it was had left the studio and made their own and now they're working on a bunch of other they call them murder games mm. so they're doing their own shit on a bunch of new ip and shows and stuff which is excellent like they took the the audio director they took the uh the composer they took like the story directors of both dang and rampa and zero escape which is another pretty fucked up series um so some pretty powerful minds working on a new set of games there and so anything that made dang and rampa good's not really there right now so and three has a demo on Steam. If anybody's listening, yeah, yeah, sure, give it a whirl. It doesn't spoil anything. It. Yeah, go for it. it. It doesn't spoil anything. V three, uh, it's demo. Um, I, I feel like it's a hard sell because a lot of what's grabbing you is the narrative, but there are a lot of like references, good humor that that I think could grab people. But yeah, man, it, it's worth a shot. It's certainly worth a shot. Excellent. All right. Well, with all of that fanboying out of the way that is the end of episode 203 of the ham radio podcast you know what i found out mid-show and what? uh i found this out through colin um because after i was on his show he told me like yeah it's gonna go up on the patreon first um and and then it'll come out a week later to the public and i'm like okay interesting so i, I was like i'll join his patreon just so i can listen back to it myself and i found out that he embeds his podcast into his patreon posts because there is an audio section where you can take the link from SoundCloud and then put, paste it, and then it'll have the audio in the Patreon. So now people could listen oh. on the go through their Patreon app if they are patrons, which I thought was oh, cool. Instead cool. of clicking on a link or, or going through SoundCloud, it's just an ad- additional step. So 
Uh, for those who listen this deep, just know from now on that will be a thing. It is it is way easier for me too, because uh, everything's just on one page. I'm usually hopping between forty, which is why you'll see me make mistakes. Um, so yeah, good news on that. That's end. very cool. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, right. I, I think it's a new addition. Uh, Patreon Patreon's great, man. Just expanding in good ways for us. Anyway, we hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will catch you next week in episode 204. Peace out. Peace out.